you've got all of America, right? And yeah. people submit shit, right? Yeah. Why the hell don't you have, you know, you've got animators, creme de la creme. Oh, you know, the rates were okay. What, where the fuck? Why did people not, were people not able to do this? But here's the thing. You can teach people to do the job. You can't teach people to care about the job. Welcome to Sneaky Dragon Early Edition. I'm Ian Boothby. And I'm David Dudrick. And normally we do this uh, a little later on in the evening, but uh, we are doing this now uh, earlier on in the day. Dave got off early from work, so uh, this is uh, the morning edition of Sneaky Dragon. How's the uh, traffic looking out there, Dave? Traffic's looking great, actually. It's uh, actually it's looking really backed up, to be honest. <laughs> it's pretty, it was fine. It's fine traffic. Uh, we'll, go to the, we'll go to Chet in the chopper right now. Oh, I'm looking down at a lot of traffic down below. We want to take a couple of border waves. And another one is looking a little backed up around the shore. Be careful when you're right out there, everyone. It's a warm day, so be careful. Sorry Back to interrupt, to but uh, we're taking requests. And uh, we got a request for no more chat. Okay, <laughs> so chat is fired. We'll turn off your power, chat. Okay, there we go. Let's just check outside, see what the weather's like. Hot as balls. Okay, back inside, putting the uh, window shut down, and we are back uh, to do our normal sneakiest of dragon. Yeah, it is earlier. Dave did get off early uh, from work, so we're doing a much earlier show than we normally do. I also started early. I had to oh, what up. time did you get up, Dave? I was up at four this morning, which Holy is not shit. a time I like. That is four hours away from being nighttime. <laughs> In my opinion... That's not day. That's... So close to being... <laughs> I think 6 o'clock is the earliest you should get up. Mm-hmm. When do you consider day beginning? Like 3 is not No, the no. Day. 3 is night. 3.30 is still night. If I'm is going to four bed... 4 night? 4 is... Yeah, I think a 4 is night. Okay. So. Is that uh, farmer's hours? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what... I don't know what time farmers would get up if... I mean, it depends what you do, I guess. You know, it depends what you do. But I think farmers like to get their day over with quickly. So they, mm-hmm. the sooner they start, the sooner they're finished. I always assumed that the deal was uh, you want to sneak up on the animals before they wake up. You know, while they're still sleeping. <laughs> they're know, not dangerous. You, they're not, well, you don't, you, you don't want, you know, it's, it's, it's like, you know, those chickens, you want to feed them. You mm-hmm. know, you want them to be like all kind of, huh, what's it? Oh, food? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Instead of them all freaking out and being yeah. all chickeny and whatnot, and the pigs are all flipping out. Yeah. But they don't, they don't have normal, they don't sleep like we do. How do they sleep? You know, you're a chickener. Chickens tend to, tend to chickens are actually pretty active. Like I've no, like I've noticed with our chickens that it's very rare that you. I mean, depends what they're doing, but uh, you don't often see them like just hanging around, like just like sitting down somewhere. Mm-hmm. Usually, they're walking around eating. Like, they're kind of eating machines. They're not lazy. I wouldn't. I, I don't know. Do you think like either. just walking around makes you not lazy? No, it's a good question. Well, I don't know what else they do. They couldn't do like walk around and eat. Couldn't do yard work or anything. They couldn't like, you know, <laughs> I gave work them a on little, a screenplay. I like, gave them nothing. a mini rake, and yet nothing, nothing was done. Mm. I'm kind of upset about that. No, they tend to be pretty active. Like, oh, I wanted to do a joke about like, don't only roosters have a rake? Because they do, right? Roosters have a rake. Isn't do that what that's called? Called the thing on their heads? It's called a rake. Is it? I think it is. Oh, it's so close to almost being a chicken joke. God damn it. Oh, this bugs me because I'm sure I'm pretty sure it is. But continue with your chicken talk. I'm going to ask uh, you. You, the you, you, you look it up. Uh, uh, I was just going to say, like, unlike say, like a cat, like our cat Risa, who I 
almost always see like lazing around, often sleeping uh, in her little places around the front of her house. Um, I don't really notice with the, the chickens that much. There is, they, I'll actually have to say, they did dig a little, they did, when it was hot out, they dug little um, indentations around the shady, shady trees. Okay. So they could like kind of hunker down in there and stay cool. But the, uh, the, unlike the dogs and stuff who tend to have like this kind of regimented, like laying down sleeping time. I don't feel like the chickens are, are that way. So I don't know. I don't know how, like a, like do cows like lay down in the field and sleep? I've seen, I've seen cows. This lay down? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think they do that when it uh, is going to rain. Isn't that what a uh, cow does? They, is that what they do? They need I to believe so. But then I thought that roosters had a thing on their head called a rake. I thought that was called a rake. And I, I, I honestly can't look it up because, unfortunately, there are tools called rooster rakes. Oh, okay. And that is just cluttering up the feed like nobody's business. There's pictures of roosters holding rakes yeah. in cartoon form. Just forget it. It's I'm not, not worth too sure what that... Uh, let's call it the crown. Sure, let's do that. Let's call it a crown. Doesn't, doesn't make for a good joke, uh, but... <laughs> That's fine, unless you start talking about a king rooster later on. Yeah. Uh, like, oh, wait, no, no, Dave. Yeah. Just subtly bring up Chicken Lala King okay. later on. All right. And sure. then I'll be like, oh, you mean like the rooster has a, a crown? And then. It'll be, it'll kill. Yeah. Now that you've planned it all out. It's oh, it's one of those jokes <laughs> that's like almost a joke. Like mm. there's a joke in the area. Yeah. But you don't know where it is, but you can still smell it. And it's like, where's that joke coming from? I don't know. But it's not a real full joke. It's gone, it's gone off. It's gone off. Someone should find that joke. Well, and just because the basis... Uh, what's the last me clean this place of jokes? Basis... Well, uh, here's why. Because the basis of the joke is chicken a la king, which is, to me, one of the most disgusting foods. You know what? To be honest, I don't know what that is. It... Well... I feel like it's a chicken pot pie gone wrong. No. Close, but no. It's worse than that. Okay. And, how's it different? And people... No you crust. can correct me. Correct me if I'm wrong, Sneakers. But I think it is like a gravy and chicken concoction that you then put on toast and mm. eat and uh for wh- whatever reason i find that combination really horrible it is diced chicken and a cream sauce often with sherry mushrooms or vegetables served over rice noodles or bread oh there you go yeah so we- can also be served in a pastry case <laughs> oh there you go that's like a pie i was i grew up in a bread family so like we always had bread at dinner we always had like a little stack of white bread and the t- on the table and some butter and some butter was the butter soft enough to spread or well was it just hard and you had tore the bread to shit we we had a we had a, a we had a a um caste system in our house so the, the kids got margarine and the adults got butter really yeah the mom had her butter and it was just kept in the cupboard but we weren't allowed to use that we had to use the margarine what yeah so the kids could not have butter no we weren't allowed the boys weren't me and my brothers couldn't use the butter. Was this because it was too expensive? I think so. Or for think, health reasons? No, I think it was because it's too expensive and we were, we would just guzzle it down if we... Wow. So, well, I mean... That's strange to you now, right? You, if you went I to, still use margarine now, so I don't really... Imagine you go to a friend's it house. It doesn't kill me. You go to a friend's house. Yeah. And they have children. <laughs> okay. And the children are there. Yeah. And there's some, some nice hot bread in the, in the center. Yeah. And then uh, you reach for the butter and you spread the butter. And then one of the kids goes, uh, can I have some butter? And then you're about to pass them the butter. And the mom goes, no, <laughs> the children get margarine. Yeah. And then she brings out a tub of parquet. Yeah. And they spread the greasy margarine on mm. their bread and they, they eat that. Uh, would you like uh, go, good. Or would you go, would you look askance and go, hmm. Unless you would think like maybe one of the kids has a dairy allergy. And it's just like, yeah. nah, they're just kids. They don't get no butter. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, 
I guess it could happen. I just it never came up that way. Hey Dave. By the way, by the way, gonna, um, the kids get some carob cake. You ooh. get some chocolate cake and they get some carob. <laughs> that would be really awful. Yeah, they get a not they get the second best of everything. I was gonna say, well, that's in the case of the margarine as well, because parquet is not a good margarine. The Imperial? Best margarine is Imperial, yeah. Okay. Well that's because yeah. uh, you know, much like a uh, rooster, it's got a crown. <laughs> And that sounds I'm like cock a doodle doo, right? I'm glad we brought yeah, it. Sounds like cock a doodle doo. Cock a doodle doo. He's got a little crown on his head, and it's like, ah, there you go. There's your uh, rake. I'm glad what? we brought that around. Uh, that was great. That was great. So, so, when you became an adult man uh-huh. and you moved out on your own, yeah. So, first time you moved out on your own, you moved out with your wife, right? Or your yes, soon to, yeah. was soon to be wife, or was soon to be wife? soon to be wife? Soon yeah. to be wife. Yeah. So when you um, when you were stocking your kitchen. Did you stock it with margarine or did you stock it with butter? Uh, margarine. Ah. I still use margarine, yeah. Ah. Yeah. In fact, to be honest, I find butter is a little tasteless because I'm used to like the fake taste of margarine. Okay. So I find like the real, I mean, when we cook, when I'm cooking, I always use butter Okay. for cooking. But How I about uh, on some corn on the cob? Would you, what would you yeah, do? I'll just use margarine. Margarine. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how about uh, on your popcorn? You want margarine? Or you want butter? Uh, we use butter for that. Butter yeah. on popcorn. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. No, it's weird, isn't it? I, I just mean it's just like it's good enough. Margarines. <laughs> That's my attitude. It's good enough. I'd be curious. So your other brothers are they still margarine men as well? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm sure. I'm sure my middle brother is because he still lives at home with my mom and dad, so he probably still doesn't have access. Oh, you think they still keep him yeah, on the yeah. margarine? I still think. I think they as keep a grown margarine. man. Yep. Yep. Wow. Yeah, it's too expensive. Can't waste butter on kids. I had one of the last uh, fights I think I had, or not fights, but like uh, scoldings I ever had from my dad was uh, was was I, I cut too big a piece of cheese off some uh, like a cheese block. Okay, and it was like, hey, you know, we're not made of cheese, and it was weird because I I was like an adult at that point, <laughs> yeah, 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 and I just wanted to like drop a twenty and just go, <laughs> will this cover it? Like, what are we doing? <laughs> And you would have too, but you couldn't afford it. I couldn't afford it. I was just, I just need this cheese. <laughs> but that's also, weird. Did you eat all the cheese? Did I eat? It wasn't much cheese. Man. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it really wasn't. You know, it's fine. <laughs> I, I contest that it was, later on yeah. he did apologize to me. He just went, I don't know what I was thinking about that cheese. It didn't matter. <laughs> oh, that's like, nice. He was just, he was just in a mood where yeah, he was like, yeah. you know, wanted some control or something and just wanted to lay down the law on the cheese to a guy who was like in his late twenties. <laughs> and it was just like, dude, I'll just, I'll bring so much fucking cheese in this house. <laughs> just what are you, what are you talking about? Cheese doesn't grow on trees. Yeah, there was a fellow that was living at the at the house for a while, uh, who was having a bit of a hard time. And uh, my grandmother saw him uh, take too much cheese, and she told that story for forever of the time he took so much cheese. <laughs> it was just like, wow. Yeah. And so maybe it's a cultural thing because yeah, that yeah. was my 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 uh, dad's mum. Yeah, that yeah. it was just like oh, the oh, legend of the man who took too much dairy. cheese. All that dairy. No wonder they hid the butter. Oh, no, that was my mom. That was your mom. That's yeah. right. It's all dairy related, though. <laughs> it's, really it's all is. dairy related. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the food that was the expensive food. Um, I almost want to ask that as like a question of the week is like, was there a food that was considered like, ooh, you know, don't take too much of that. Don't. And you're, and you're in your house that you now look back and go, what? What's, what's that matter? What would it, it, it didn't matter. It didn't yeah. matter. But yeah. Yeah. 
I'll just put that as like a side, side, side question. If you remember that we asked this at the beginning of the show, uh, answer that one. Some some kind of food that your that your uh, parents were like, or your legal guardians were uh, real ooh, hoardy about that. Like that didn't need to be hoardy about that at all. What's that herb and or spice that it, it's? I guess it's supposed to be expensive, or whatever, and it comes like saffron. Saffron. That's right. My my grandma used to cook saffron buns. And she, they'd out, my mom and her would always make a big fuss about these buns. And it's the most expensive spice. It's got saffron, and it's like this little spiral oh of saffron gosh. inside this little, you know, capsule. Yeah, but you know what? It's not that much. <laughs> sure, it's I've not got that. some upstairs. Sure would you not. like it? It's fine. It's not gold. I know. And the thing is, is that my opinion of the buns were they're okay. Exactly. That's the thing they're about fine. saffron. If you had it, you have it in rice, and you go, that's eh, good. It's fine. Fine. Yeah. And my grand, but they just made such a fuss about it, and I be, and I, you know, I didn't want to say anything, but it, I was like, to be honest, I preferred the buns that she made that weren't saffron buns. Sure, sure, I thought sure. they were better. Yeah, like just her raisin buns or whatever. They're fine. We've started putting harissa into eggs. Uh, harissa is nice and cheap. It's delicious, and uh, I think it kicks saffron's ass. So there. <gasps> yeah. Wow. But I guess I think it was this thing about like you just bring out the threads, you put it in the hot water, <laughs> let it steep, let it steep. Put it in your buns. Oh, the children will love this. We'll yeah. give them margarine. You don't get salt. You get flakes of little white paper that we put on there. That's what you get. You can't can't I can't have the saffron buns. Yeah, it was really it's a weird kind of fetish object, isn't it? That sort of thing. Yeah. Here's the, by the way, with salt. Mm. Uh, whenever they have all the fancy salts now, like your Himalayan sea salt and whatever. Uh, you know Wait what? a second, Himalayan sea salt? Yeah, it's a huge thing. Because of the popularity of the Himalayan Sea, I guess. It's such a... Everyone loves that ocean. I guess so. I, all I know... <laughs> here's what I know. Salt? Yeah. Tastes like salt. It does. Salt doesn't taste any different, no matter what. It's just like, yeah. oh, this is uh, some lemon salt. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess so. But it's also just... It's salt. It's just yeah. salt, man. You can add lemon to your thing if you want. You know, this is... You know, like, I get vanilla sugar. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Sure, that it's, works. it's flavored. Yeah, but salt is so salt that it doesn't matter what you. It's this is the flaked salt, and mm. this is the the kosher salt. And I do use kosher salt just because it's easy to use. But but like, it's salt. Doesn't taste any different. The end. Sure. Salt. It's salt. As Christ went, I pointed out, when salt loses its saltiness, it is no longer salt. What was he referring to at the time? I have no idea. I don't know. This the kind. I'd have to look back at it. Sorry. What if the pepper, oh Lord? Shut up, Thomas. <laughs> That's right. Get out of here. I'll let you know when I want your opinion. <laughs> We're talking about salt right now. <laughs> He's doing his salt bit. Don't ask for <laughs> right. a new a new bit on pepper. He's got a tight five on salt. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder if Christ had like tight fives, like his parables were like developed Consider over time. Consider the birds in the field. What about cats? Not now, Thomas. <laughs> it's not an improv show, Thomas. I did not ask for a that's, suggestion. That's right. Anyone? Any? Any? Any animals of the field you'd like to meet? Mice. Consider the mice. Okay, consider the mice. Uh, squeak not, lest ye be squeaked. I got. I have nothing. Yeah, he goes to like the outer towns and sort of workshop the Sermon on the Mount. Then he, when he shows up, it's just killer. It's a killer bit. It's well, there good. mustn't. I mean, the thing, the thing about Christ, and you tell me because you're a church-going man. Um, you got to, you got to think like he didn't just tell the parables once. 
Like, no. if he's a teacher and going from town to town, yeah. he will sit people down and sit, tell the same story again. That's right. You know, again and again and again. And, you know, things change and things tighten. It's like, oh, this bit is playing better and this bit not so much. <laughs> All they like when there's more Samaritans before the good Samaritan comes up. And I really should describe the bad Samaritans before the good Samaritan. It's a rule of threes. It's good. They're not, other, they're not Samaritans, the bad Oh, okay. They're the like, other ones are... Oh, that's right, because you because you can think that a Samaritan's going to be bad. In their uh, culture, Samaritans were like... That's right, and that's boom. the twisteroo. That's what they didn't see coming. Yeah. Because the purpose of the Samaritan story isn't just that, but it's also the the love your neighbor mm-hmm. is part of that, right? So the idea is that not just do you love your neighbor, you have to also love Samaritans. <gasps> Yuck! Samaritans? There were some people from Siaquam. <laughs> That is a very, that's a very, that's a private joke for, for you in there, sorry. Yeah. Uh, sexiest play I ever saw as a kid that I shouldn't have seen. Let's see. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Production of Cabaret. Oh. Real, real sexy junior high girls in Cabaret. Uh, Should not have been. Siakum was senior high school. It was not at the time. Oh. It was both. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Wow. I believe, I believe there were some young girls that were dressed in ways they should not have been dressed. <laughs> I'll look. I'll look it up. Maybe they were uh, at the early. Maybe they're like grade ten or some. So I don't know. All I know is that was wrong. I remember at the time going like this should not be, and then later on, of course, the uh, teacher got called out for being a creep and uh, uh, okay. out as that's you do. Good. I was going to say the girls probably enjoyed the. Yeah, they did, but the, th- that's the not the point. point. Yeah, it's not the. It's not the point. You can enjoy it all you want, but uh, the adults watching should not enjoy it. <laughs> so it turns out I've developed an allergy to wasp stings. Okay. I got, I got stung last night, and I've got a swollen finger now. Oh, okay. Yeah, right right here. Were you not swollen before, like as in when wasps stung you? No, before it was just like a whatever. It didn't even, it doesn't really, it's, it hurts, it's, it's itchy. And I guess my uh, immune system is working overtime in there, taking care of the. Uh, okay. The would you Would you like some polysporin? Some itch no, no, polysporin. It's, it's fine. It's okay. Fine. I can live with it. Yeah, it, do, I mean, it doesn't look super swollen. It's no, no, it's not super terrible. But I can feel it when I pinch when I like put my fingers together. I can feel the tightness. Okay. All right. I'll live though. It's like uh, my wife is very allergic to mosquitoes. It turns out now, mm. but just brief periods of time. Like we were uh, we were having like our sparks. Uh, hey, we've wrapped up party. <laughs> um, a couple of weeks ago, yeah, uh, and uh, and yeah, she got bitten by a couple of mosquitoes, and it was like, Whoot! oh, uh, pretty pretty big, yeah, yeah, but not for not for long. But it was like, geez, okay, time to go inside, yeah, yeah. And my mom has the same thing. Like she, one time, she got bit by her eye, and it looked like my dad was beating her because she just had this giant shiner mm-hmm. from this mosquito. Uh... You know what? I think that causes that is too much butter. <laughs> I think they were fighting over the butter. Yeah. That's right. Because my dad's not allowed to use it either. And so he just threw a mosquito at her face. (laughs) Because technically it's the mosquito that hurt her. Yeah. 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 That that makes makes sense. Sure. Does that count with bullets? Technically with a bullet. Well, the thing is, the the bullets can't change direction. Mm. So what you fired the bullet. Yeah. uh, So the bullet has no free will. Yeah. Yet, I would say the mosquito, when you throw the mosquito, it can go and go, maybe or maybe not. Yeah. And it'll go its own way. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Fine. You're right, because sometimes, yeah, they're just not. A, you don't appeal to them. I don't. I don't really appeal to a lot of mosquitoes. Me neither. Yeah, if I'm in a group of people, I mean, they'll bite me or they'll drink from me if I'm the only. They're like, ugh, the only guy here. Might as well have this margarine. But every, but it, 
but uh, if there's other people around, they're just like, oh, yeah. yeah. I think that happened after Jesus did his like, Last Supper speech. Like, this is my blood. Take this, all of you. And the mosquito went, hey, this guy's just like, giving it away. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, you know, mosquitoes are terrible with, like, metaphor. and Yeah, they don't, they don't get, get it. it. They don't get it, but it's fine. They, they drank the blood and just went, is this transmogrifying in me or whatever? <laughs> no, transubstantiating in me. And I was like, I, I don't think so. I don't think you're a, I don't think you're a Christian. I was like, I could be. I was like, I don't know. Do you accept Jesus Christ? Well, I accepted him in my mouth. I just <laughs> that's right. I do accept him <laughs> if I can drink from him. Yeah. And that's how mosquitoes made it into heaven. <laughs> lucky. Lucky for everyone in heaven. Yeah, oh, come on! <laughs> What's these? Go- oh, no. Every- they're everywhere. <laughs> I know. They spread the word. How is this heaven? They all spread the word. <laughs> You want to go to hell? It's okay. There's no mosquitoes there. This is full of wasps. Yep. <laughs> go ahead, let's see if you're allergic to me yet. <laughs> well, from what I heard, your allergies change every seven years or so. So mm. uh, maybe you didn't have it before, and now it's time to wait it out. I guess so. It's a waiting game. I guess so. I can't can't be so free around them as I used to be. Yeah. Again, back to my wife because uh, she's important. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, she was uh, stung when she was a little kid and, uh, yeah, really bad reaction. So she wasn't sure. She's still not sure if she's allergic now mm. and uh, doesn't really want to go into the doctor and go, like, get all the scratch tests. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we just avoid wasps and uh, hope for the best. <laughs> Good. Aren't they around all over the place? They are. In it's... fact, we make bee baths in the backyard <laughs> uh, that attract too. wasps. Uh, yeah. We, make, we have uh, dinner in the back patio and that attracts wasps as well. There's a lot of them. There's they're just like floating around everything. They're having burritos. I guess they like burritos. They do like burritos. They like the bee bath. I'll I'll say I change the bee bath water in the morning. Usually, often it evaporates. Yeah. And the bees will be patiently waiting. Huh. And then when I filled up the bath, there. And then they come. They have a little drink, and then they go about their bee business. That's cool. Yeah, just sitting around the water cooler talking about you know the latest Seinfeld because they're way behind on the <laughs> They're so behind because they're so busy, right? They don't yeah. have time to catch up on the latest things. So it's like I'm just watching Seinfeld, and I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. Next, I'm gonna watch Friends. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, just picturing little bees watching Friends. <laughs> Just all sitting on a couch together and just like, is this one where they uh, break up? Don't spoil it! <laughs> Not every week? You I don't know. You I've actually never seen it. stupid drone? Mm-hmm. Yeah, here. My, I've watched three episodes of Friends huh. in my life. I think I've watched five episodes of Seinfeld, maybe? Five? Well. Yeah. Yeah, you got me into Seinfeld. How did I get you into Seinfeld when I'm not into Seinfeld? You showed me the master of... Oh, yeah, yeah, that's one that you watch, yeah. Yeah. You're like, oh, you got to see this. We watched it, and I was like, I guess this is a good show. So then I started watching it at, I think at least his mom and dad's. They they got it on their TV, and so Lisa and I were watching it. Yeah, and I watched a few shows, and I was like, yeah, I don't like this show. Yeah, it's not as good as uh, the episodes that are good. There's a couple of episodes that are really good, and I think I've watched those episodes. And I watched the finale. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I kind of got curious. I kind of was curious about it when it started getting more meta and became about them making a show. And then the executive being like kind of weirding, weirding, weirding out and stuff like that. That seemed like interesting. And then I liked the idea of, is it George? George yeah, George mm-hmm. Costanza getting a job because he didn't think he was going to get it. So he's just like completely indifferent during the interview. And then he gets this really like prized job with the Yankees or whatever. I thought that was kind of a funny idea. But I've never seen those episodes. I just heard yeah. about them. And I just thought, oh, that's a good idea. And I like the one that's based on what really happened with Larry David at Saturday Night Live. Whereas, like, he got fed up one day, made a big stink, and uh, just this big speech, and then stormed yeah. out. Yeah. And he was like, oh, no, I need this job. And so the next day, just 
goes back like nothing happened. Just yeah. pretends like it didn't occur and no one mentions it and it just keeps going. One of the writers for Futurama did that as well. Yeah? The Cohen, the, one of the main guys anyway. I can't remember his name now. David X. Cohen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He like got mad about some you know, a super important thing in some episode and stormed out saying, I quit. And then, of course, came back the next day and just didn't say anything and no one said anything <laughs> and that was it. And I think I was listening to someone else talk about I think maybe it was Bob Odenkirk actually mentioned that he quit a show like stormed out and then thought, what am I doing? It's like my bread and butter. Yeah. So I had to go back and this didn't say anything and no one, no one brought it yeah, up. Yeah, I think this is the standard thing now. It's just <laughs> like, just go back. And <laughs> then, a- and then you know, I mean, the worst scenario is someone's going to go, hey, what about yesterday? And then you got to like make a decent joke about it and then yeah. just keep going. That's exactly right. You got to just have something, you know, just make a joke about it. And yeah, it's funny. Uh, one thing I find curious at work are people that have sense of, of humor and people who don't have senses of humor. Oh, by the way, let me just say this. Let me sure. follow up that earlier thing. Yeah. You know who should try that? The devil. Try what? Sorry? The devil should uh, try that whole thing. It's just like, you know how you said that thing and it really pissed off God and you got banished from heaven? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Back up. And he said like, oh, it's better to rule in hell than reign in heaven. Yeah, he yeah. made this whole uh, production. Yeah. Just go back. Well, he could. He just won't. Yeah, but 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 no, he's like, I'm not going to go ask for forgiveness. I'm like, don't ask for forgiveness. Yeah, you don't have to. Just put the wings back on. <laughs> get the halo on your head. Just go in and just water yeah. around and see if anyone brings it up. You know, and they probably won't. And yeah. then you can just be back in heaven again. But, but I mean, it would be the same same situation. That's what he, that's what he did. I know, you got eternity, of course. You're going to get banished again. Then you, once again, you just go back up. If you have to, put a wig on. Who knows? Anyway, sorry, <laughs> you were saying... Uh, a wig on top of the horns. Uh, I was going to... Oh, as I was say, it's, it's sort of funny that there's people at work that you can make a joke to, mm-hmm. and they'll, like, zing you back, or they'll laugh. They'll get it, right? That's how a joke works, yeah. Or other people, like today, someone was... They had just gone in, and they're coming back out. And I knew they were going to do do an order for someone, but I was just joking. I went, "Oh, forgot something," <laughs> and the guy went, "Oh no, there's a. I have to go do an order." Mm-hmm. I know. I was just joking that yeah. you forgot something, but no, just just went over his head entirely that I was there was a joke. It's weird to me. But he's not trained. You know, he's not trained he's not to that. Tra- he didn't have a background where people did that. I guess so that's it. Yeah. Like I had that uh, with uh, again friend of my wife's. Uh, okay, my wife had a friend and she was married to a guy and now is no longer married to this fellow. Mm. Uh, but at the time that she was, yeah. you know, we'd be like in a car together and something would happen or you say something and I do a joke about it and I would feel like it's not a mean spirited joke what I'm doing. Yeah. Like it's just like I'm playing off of the thing and yeah, I'm yeah. building on the absurdity of something. Sure, sure. Whatever, whatever, as I do. And then uh, at one point, like she went, he doesn't like jokes. <laughs> he just thinks that people are making fun of him when you're telling a joke. It's like, oh, but none of the jokes have in any way him. Yeah. I was making a joke about the mountain. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, he just feels like you're making fun of him. Oh, okay. And it's just like, that was, his background was, whenever there was a joke, it was a mean joke. And it was yeah. about yeah. him or, you know, someone's a target. And there you go. And it's like, all right. That's, I, I, don't, I, I don't see it, but you're, that's your background. And so that's brought to the table. This is something that's there that I don't see. This is an invisible thing to me. Yeah. Which yeah, is weird to me because so you know, so much of the humor at work, I don't want to say it's mean, but it's often like, you know, mean comments, but meant in a fu- in a fun way, not in obviously in a serious way. Like no one thinks, you know, so, you know, someone should crawl into a ditch and die, but that's okay to say. No, I'm just joking. No one say that. But you know what I mean? Like I can't think of an example, but it's something like that where say 
I can't think of an example, but you know what I mean. Like yeah. someone says something, and then it's just like an undercutting, it's an exaggerated, an undercutting joke yeah, or whatever sure. that's said. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And the person with a sense to, of humor. I used to work in an environment where there was a lot of that. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, someone called it collegial. That's what they said. It's, mm. Said it's a collegial environment here, and I went, okay, that makes sense. It's by that you mean locker room. What <laughs> that you mean, mean? Yes, okay. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it's not intended in a in a mean way. It's nope. not intended to be taken nope. as as serious or as any way like that. It's just entirely meant as a joke, and and you're just supposed to roll with it, you know. And maybe I've just grown up that way, or, or you know, having grown up with brothers, particularly, you know, you had to roll with it. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of jokes at your expense. Here's the place. here's the simple test that I always kind of go with with that. And then this actually opens up a bigger topic that I actually was kind of interested in talking about. Okay. Um, but like, it's like uh, when you've got like a workplace environment and like one person's always like making fun of this other person. Mm-hmm. It's just like, hey, da, da, nice hat. Da, 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 and like, every time there's something about the person. Yeah. I'm like, okay. So how often does the person with the hat make fun of the other person? Like what's the, what's the balance on like, yeah, it's like yeah, a 10 yeah. to 1 ratio, sure, sure. 1 to 5, how many times? Never. Because if the answer is never, then, well, that's bullying. I know it's a joke. Yeah, I know yeah. it's not made with malice. But if it's just a one-way thing, yeah. then, yeah, then that's, a, that's, a, that's what that is. It just in, in general. And I understand. Mm-hmm. You know, and you, you brought your own context to things, but the other person has a different context. Yeah. No, it's funny, but, well. Unless, unless they just like the attention. There's some people that's that it. will want the attention no matter what regardless yeah, yeah better than being ignored yeah we have a guy like that at work he it doesn't matter what it is whether it's negative attention or mm-hmm. positive attention he doesn't care you know he just puts himself into harm's way because he just wants the attention there was a kid in school when i was like five who i remember who would like come up and would want me to push him like would want me to start a fight with him hmm. and so he just like keep trying to get a fight going with me and there's some days i just didn't want to mm-hmm. and he'd get very very upset because i wouldn't fight him yeah because I, w- I was the attention he was he was getting yeah yeah and he was so hungry for it. it it's weird isn't it it's it's strange um i don't want to bring up personal things from work but yeah there's people there that or a person there who yeah just thrives thrives on it but when it happens then he like then he like gets mad but he enjoys the getting mad. But he probably. also enjoys the getting mad. Yeah, that's you know, part of it. Because that's yeah, part yeah, of it. Yeah. That's it's like yeah. it's like a couple that uh, you know have have the the big arguments, and you're like, oh, they must not enjoy this. Except there's something that, about it that they yeah something they get out that of they it. They feed off of this, yeah. You yeah. Know, which is why yeah, it's a whole cycle. And I guess it reflects maybe maybe like you're saying, like someone who grew up in a family where humor is part of the makeup of the family. Then you are you see the joke in things. When people say a joke to you, then you're like, oh, it's a joke. Unless it's just the dad who is able to joke because dad has all the power. Mm. So dad just insults the kids. Yeah, and is like, hey, shitheads, and like you know leaves. And you can never if you say back, hey, shithead, you know, ka- yeah. kapow, <laughs> right? Sure. Yeah, that's that's different, of course. But I'm just, I'm just talking in terms of like family fun, not not bullying yeah. or whatever. Like that's that's different thing entirely. Yeah, the thing. Yeah, you never know what the environment is. For, I mean, my dad was, you know, uh, had a sense of humor, but also was, you know, kind of, uh, I've mentioned before, kind of abusive and was random. Yeah. So you didn't know what kind of mood you were getting. Mm. And the mood could shift mid-conversation. Yeah. And you don't know what you're, what landmine you're triggering there. So it's just... <laughs> I guess because I like to joke. Uh, we were much, we were a jokey family. Like my brothers were jokey as well to a degree. Mm-hmm. The middle, my middle brother, he's not 
he's not as good with the with jokes and stuff like that. He tends to take them the wrong way and respond with like you know instead of responding tit for tat, it's tit for nuclear annihilation, <laughs> yeah. which is you know the wrong response to yeah. a, to a joke. But so he has to with that. Whereas my middle brother and I, we we are, or my younger brother and I are more simpatico in that way. Our dad has a good sense of humor, but you're right. Like he also had like this traditional dad idea in his mind there's a of, power dynamic to it that's right and, and you, if, if you're getting the laughs you've taken the power in the room you're the alpha now mm, oops that's that and also you don't make fun of me because i'm your dad so i can't be like the butt of a joke because that would so that would never i would yeah. never dream of doing that with my father whereas the girls have no problem at all with that with like the stuff of that with me because they know that i don't that's not how i define myself like through this sort of fake idea of like my children are devoted to me and they must not It is interesting joke. how many things you have with your daughters where you broke a cycle. Yeah. Where you just straight <laughs> out just went, nope. Yeah. Yeah. Intentionally. Intentionally. So. Is it strange to them sometimes when they see the dynamic with you and your parents and just because they're used to what a parental dynamic is mm-hmm. and then they see you and your oh, yeah. parents and it's like, hmm, yeah, that's yeah. why, why is yeah. grandma and grandpa say that to you why what can you not <laughs> yeah even the way my mom acts is bizarre to them because they don't deal with that at home they don't deal with this sort of microaggressions passive aggressive canadianisms you know like i always joke when i watch a canadian show if there's someone there who's not uh insulting you through a compliment then it's not a canadian show because that's not how people live in canada you know so yeah like they're, they're just not used to that kind of communication you know, so it really it hurts their feelings a lot mm-hmm. the way my mom will talk to them sometimes because it's not something they grew up with. Whereas for me, I'm just kind of like water off a duck's back, which is not to say that it doesn't hurt me. But by this point, it's water off a duck's back because I've just I'm, you know, I've already taken it all in. I don't need any more. You can't fill this reservoir up anymore. This is just overflowing now, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of weight from the <laughs> from the jug that's full of the stuff. Yeah. And maybe one day it'd be nice to empty said jug. <laughs> that's exactly yeah, right. Yeah. You've reached the Kool-Aid man's top of his head. But that's not gonna happen, you know. I'm gonna say something to my mom and I'm you know, something that I you know, oh I got a nice compliment at work today, blah 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 blah. Oh yeah. Well, okay. Thanks. I don't know what that is that a good thing? <laughs> it's just that's her response to it, you know. Or oh you think you're so smart. Just things like that, you know, where you're just like, okay, just, that's enough. We can stop filling the reservoir, please. Yeah. But um, and then my yeah, my mom ended up with a guy with like a, no sense of humor, mm, you know, at all. Yeah, yeah. And to the point where yeah, again, you know, we're estranged now. Yeah. Uh, because yeah, yeah, and so there's no way in for me. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. If we could just, oh no, no, not at all. Yeah. Whereas my dad was really willing to laugh at things, and particularly willing to like, he's very distrustful of like authority. Like he doesn't, he doesn't like police. He doesn't like politicians and stuff like that. So I took a lot of that into myself, you know. Yeah, you used to have that sign saying, fuck the police on your front line. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> did have that sign. No, he did not have that sign. But he just doesn't, <laughs> it's not that he hate, doesn't like them. He doesn't think that they should They should go fuck themselves. But he just doesn't, he doesn't want, he doesn't want police in his life, you know. Like he doesn't, doesn't trust them to like, you know, like if you have to call the police, it's, you're in trouble, right? Like it's, that's, that's just how it's going to be. And that's just how he lives his life, right? So... And that's what he talk, taught us, like, you know, like, he doesn't think much about politicians. He doesn't trust them. So he doesn't, we were never, never taught, like, the idea that, don't worry, folks, when this politician gets in, everything's going to be hunky-dory. No, that's not how my dad thinks of the world, right? Just think, same old, same old, same shit, different pile. Okay. That's how he just looked at the world, right? So that's definitely part of my makeup as well, because of that. So, like, I, I don't trust police people, policemen or, you know, 
I don't think they're bad necessarily. It's just that, you know, they have their own interests. They're not yours. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, they definitely got their own uh, own agenda. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking with, uh, this is just something I'm, I'm actually trying to write an essay about. In, uh, oh, wondering my for around. your no end? Possibly, yeah. But it was a thing about how, you know, and and it's it's because uh, my wife's got a TV show that's coming up called mm-hmm. Why the Last Man, and yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, it's been it's, the trailer's gone quite well. It's like three point five million views, which is yeah. uh, insane. Yeah, that's great. Um, but there's elements in the book that she did uh, that you know people are bringing up and like, oh, about this and about this and about this, and it's like, yeah, well, well this is that was twenty years ago, yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. and. Uh, it's like, yeah, but it's the same. And, da, da, da. and it's like, they are addressing things in, in the thing because, mm. you know, there's growth. Yeah. But it made me think of like comedy and made me think of, you know, things that I did 20 years ago mm-hmm. that, you know, I look at now and go like, oh, boy. <laughs> sure. Uh, oh, geez. Sure. And that kind of stuff. Yeah. And thinking like, was this just wrong at the time or is there is there a factor that's missing? And my, and my feeling on it sort of is without... You know, and there's a sec. There's a second part to this. Okay, uh, is that uh, you know how when you uh, were a kid and you were having a fight with somebody, like maybe uh, your maybe your brother, and your brother was uh, saying all this shit to you, mm-hmm. and then you turn around and go, "Listen, you fucking da da da," and uh, and that's the moment your parents walked in. Yeah, and they went like, "Hey, Dave, why are you saying all this?" <laughs> it's like, "Oh, you, but you know, Timmy said this." Sure, sure. And it's just like, I don't care what Timmy said. You know, it's, you can't say this and this and this and this. I just heard you say this. Yeah. And there's a lot of, I think, things that were said that people don't understand then the context of the time. Because almost all comedy is answering, is a response to something sure. that was going yeah, on yeah. at the time. No, it's true. It's a contradiction to, it's a reply. And because usually that thing has since vanished, all you're getting is the reply. <laughs> yeah. And so you yeah. look like a nut. Yeah. You know, so you don't see that if you did a joke in 2002, you were coming at it from, a uh, you know, right after 9-11. You were told there's no irony in the world anymore. Yeah. Uh, people are the world's really changed. We all got to be this, that and the other. And it's like, oh, oh, boy, what do you do? And it's like, maybe you're responding to I've got to be extra ironic. I've got to be extra shocking because the world is so shocking mm. that if I'm going to do comedy what can I do? Something subtle? You know, two buildings just fell down and the Pentagon got into this and the, that and the other. And yeah. So yeah, you're, you're responding to whatever is going on at the time or, you know, you're doing something in the eighties and you're like, Oh my God, did you see what that person did? Yeah. You know, uh, AIDS is around and people are dying and there's a shock and no one's saying anything. And it's this horror that's floating in the air that you don't even know about and and people are responding to the horror with absurdity and Mm. in this way but you know because you don't think of AIDS right now all you see is the joke and you go like what was that what's this all about (laughs) that's too much and that's you know you weren't considering these other elements it's like yeah sometimes you know it, it feels like you know all you're seeing is the chemo and you're like, oh, why are, they, why are you giving people chemo? You're killing this guy. You're killing, yeah, you're killing this guy. Look at what he's doing to him. Yeah. It's really yeah. awful. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but you didn't see the thing it was responding to. Mm-hmm. And also at times, you know, when you're doing comedy, you can't respond to everything simultaneously. So by attacking a certain thing, yeah, you're right. There might be some blowback that will then suck in other people around that are innocent, yeah. you know, in, into this. 
but you know, you've still got to go for that thing that's that thing. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so that's one factor. Of course, then the other factor, and I always consider that the invisible factor, you don't see the brother that you were fighting with, which was, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. the context of the time. Sure. But the other invisible that you don't see is, you know, that the microphone was only turned on to a certain group of people. And there were these other people that were basically invisible. Mm. You know, if you were, you know, someone who was disabled, you're not on TV. Yeah. You know, if you're someone, you know, of a certain faith, you're probably not on TV. There's all these people that were being ignored. If you're a trans person, you were not on TV. Yeah. So there's all these people that were being ignored who are not being ignored, hopefully now, or at least have more representation now. Oh, when they then see this, have a response to this, which is correct. Uh, but you had these two invisible factors uh, going on: the people that weren't represented, and also the uh, that you saw the the punchline, but never the setup, which was the environment that the joke was being created in. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm trying to write an essay about right now: is the invisibles, and just like <laughs> okay, before you go after whatever this thing is, and you watch the Marx Brothers movie and go, "Ooh, that!" Yeah, it's like okay. <laughs> so here's who they were mm-hmm. here's what they were growing up in yeah you're right that that group should have been represented as well they weren't at the time could they have been at the time yeah who knows or watching an old warner brothers cartoon and going well that's a racist caricature mm-hmm. it's like you're right also they were in a war at the time here's what was going on <laughs> doesn't 100 sure. justify that mm-hmm. but you know the world was going to be taken over and there was possibly going to be genocide. Yeah. So Daffy Duck does this. <laughs> it's interesting. I was watching a comedy the other week uh, called Going Places that fe- had um, Dick Powell in it. And I can't remember the name of the lady who I've never heard of her and I can't remember. But in the mov- in this movie, he plays a, a sporting goods. He works in a sporting goods store. But this is like a New York sporting goods store. So it's a hoity-toity place and and they're pretty much you know either they're they're getting people into their hunt you know into their dressage like their hunter clothes so they're riding you know their jodhpurs and their and their their pinks or jackets and their helmets and stuff or or they also provide a service where if you want to pretend you went on an african safari they'll sell you the animal right. heads and stuff like that and you can brag about your this lion you potted in africa and so in this in the movie dick powell is is uh frustrated because the store is dead they have a few people coming in, but it's basically dead. And he's like, we need to promote this place. Like, no one knows who we are. So, they, you know, he starts, he goes to the big boss and he tells him this. And the boss is like, oh, that's a good idea. And, and then they start concocting this idea that he's going to pretend to be a famous steeplechase rider, this Australian rider. So he's Australian because then no one knows. He doesn't even do an Australian accent. That's how little known Australia <laughs> was, I guess, to Americans at this and time. And how hard an Australian accent is to do. Good eye. And so then... And then try to keep going. <laughs> no, you cannot, I know you could have to say Whiston, but anyway, it's fine. So then uh, the, um, yeah, so in the story, he goes down to this kind of hoity-toity place, you know, and he's going to pretend to be a, this well-known, uh, um, I was going to say disc jockey, <laughs> steeplechase jockey, who... He's so confused. He's so confused. He goes confused. in as a disc jockey at the stables. But in the movie, the movie also features Louis Armstrong. Hmm. In the film, he sings Jeepers Creepers, which this movie was apparently written around the song Jeepers Creepers, which was a big hit at the time. And so there's a horse in the film called Jeepers Creepers, who could only be calmed down by Louis Armstrong playing the playing the trumpet for this horse. And but of course, now you're going to have black people in a movie in the 1930s. You cannot have them as doctors or dentists or lawyers. Those were not positions that they filled. There were no black 
doctors, lawyers, or dentists at that time period, of course. Of course, I'm joking. But in movies, there were none. There were none. There only existed in service jobs. You know, either were maids or butlers or, you know, racetrack uh, lackeys. And so that's, of course, what Louis Armstrong is. He's like a groom at the racetrack. And then there's a scene in the movie where there's like a, you know, he's playing with his with his orchestra, and they're all they're all black, and but they're all like made up as if they're like house servants, you know. And then when a lady starts to sing, and she's a maid come, singing, wearing like a maid's uniform, singing from an upper story, and then she comes down and joins the band. And Dick Powell sings with the band, but you'd never see them together on the screen at the same time, because that would be a definite no-no. Although the color barrier had been broken. I think in 1937, there was a movie, maybe the big broadcast of 1937, some of that, that had the Benny Goodman band in it, which was a mixed-race group. And so that had been broken, but that was, you know, a one-off, I guess, to the people that was like, mm-hmm. we'll never do this again. And so, yeah, in the movie, he's singing to the group, but he's not with the group singing. He's just singing to a girl away from the group. You know what I mean? So you don't see them together at the same time. Because that would be a no-no. And there's a lot of weird stuff like that that's going on in the film. And you're thinking to yourself, well, this is terrible that this is happening. But at the same time you're thinking, but at least they're putting them in the movie and they're having this music played and we have this record of Louis Armstrong with playing like jazz music, different than singing Hello Dolly and stuff like that, where it's really not jazz. You know, it's just yeah. him singing a musical. This is him like playing his trumpet, singing, you know, playing songs and stuff like that, like actual jazz of the time period. So you're just kind of, it's very brave of the filmmakers to have this in the movie as well, because it would have caused a lot of problems in the South, you know, to have a black, have black people in the movie. So in a way they're like, you know, kind of thumbing their nose at, at, at and kind of cutting their, you know, cutting off that as a as possible source of revenue. They could be down there, but it just wouldn't be that popular. So yeah, it's just, it's a weird thing. And then I was thinking to myself, would I have been brave? Because then I was thinking about black doctors and black lawyers and stuff like that. And I was thinking, it'd be nice to think to yourself, oh, I would be, if I lived then, I would be like comfortable going to see a black doctor at that time period. But at the same time, would you be comfortable going to a black doctor? Because you'd be cutting yourself off from the best medical service you could get because he would be limited what he could bring to you. Do you know what I mean? Like he wouldn't have access to a hospital the way that a white doctor would at that time. Would you be brave enough to go to that doctor? It'd be, it's hard to think of, right? Like, it's it's weird. It's one of those moral questions you have to ask yourself sometimes, but there's no good answer. Because <laughs> there's a lot of ifs, a lot of factors there that we don't consider. Because no, we didn't live then. Sometimes there's no good answer is the answer. Yeah. Because we didn't live with the time where Jim Crow laws were acceptable. I mean, yes, there's still horrible things now, but then it was just like a, a, a nightmare. And we don't, you know, it's, we don't, it's hard to even imagine living through that, whether it was the explicit Jim Crow laws of the South or the the less, more subtle Jim Crow laws of the of the North, where you still had like, you know, housing regulations, stuff like that, that cut people out of living in certain areas and getting uh, certain things. When you're saying like the, the musical aspect, I look at something like um, the Blues Brothers mm-hmm. and, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's considered really a good movie. It's uh, got all these Motown stars uh, sure. that... Um, it really introduced kind of America or reintroduced America to like Aretha Franklin, all mm-hmm. these people who you would not, uh, Cab Calloway. Uh, the, James the, Brown is in there. James Brown, you know, so that's, you know, you go like, wow, that's a, that's a great showcase for all these people. Yeah. That's, this is a positive. Yeah. Uh, but you got to have the stars be two white dudes yeah. who yeah. are basically just like 
pretending to you know that are yeah. covering this music who are fans of this music sure, sure. but we've got to filter it through them to make it acceptable mm-hmm. for the so you can if you want take it to the next level and just go oh this is really great except you know <laughs> that it has to be yeah you know but boy, by this by that point in our culture <laughs> that shouldn't have been a problem but yeah but, but what i'm what i'm trying to say with this is that both things are true, yeah. and that's okay that both things are true. That's, that's and try true, to yeah. fix the thing that's true, yeah. and don't do Blues Brothers 2000. I think, <laughs> I think that's what I'm saying. Uh, the bottom line is uh, yeah. do not do uh, Blues, Blues Brothers 2000. I'm remembering like... John Lee Hooker is also in the Blues Brothers. And I feel like that's, that's an artist that is probably underrepresented in terms of like, Im- like, like film that we could watch him perform. You know? and, and so it's, it's very nice that... That those you know those people get a, a chance to be seen. Yeah, it boosts those their, their artists careers. Get a chance to yeah, be seen. It, it it I'm sure they all mm-hmm. did you know well. They didn't do as well as John Belushi and, and Dan Aykroyd. No, but they no. did they did they did well off it, and it was yeah. a it was done I think with the right spirit generally. But there's an argument to be made that you know that you got to filter it through these two of two of the whitest guys in the world. That's it, and to, then to you know get you to get you to there. Yeah. It's like hmm, okay, I guess all right. But I bet you there's a lot of people who are turned on to that kind of music by the Blues Brothers, you know, like absolutely, you know, like people. That's definitely the positive. Yes. And I mean, by the time you get to like 1979, and the way music worked in that time period, like probably Stax artists were long forgotten about, like Booker T and the MGs and people like that were long. No one cared about them anymore. The fact that the band featured like uh, Donald Duck Dunn and and uh, Steve. Got that guy from Booker T and the MGs whose name? Why can't I remember his name? But anyway, it didn't matter. Um, yeah, people, you know. So it had, you know, the, this is their chance. Like people get to see these these guys. Like you know, like we miss them. You miss them when they were when they were around originally. Like here's you, here's your chance. Or you've forgotten about them because you know, other than Green Onions, we don't really hear much about Booker T and the MGs, right? So that, that's that's nice for sure. That I think, but I, and I think that. It, you know, it's a, it's a good, like, kind of gateway drug way yeah. to get, get into that stuff, if that's what you want to do. Or you can just ignore it all and just be perfectly happy with, you never have to hear the Chips version of Rubber Biscuit. You only have to hear, uh, you know, the Blues Brothers version of Rubber Biscuit. I never know that. There was actually a black group that did it a long time ago. Which, you know, if we're going to be, like, disgusted by groups like the Diamonds and, and stuff doing cover versions of, or Pat Boone doing cover versions of black artists in the 50s, it's not that much different. The Blues Brothers doing it in the late seventies, but but well, Pat, Pat Boone's <laughs> version did help Little Richard with his version, exactly. You know, and so yeah. sometimes, sometimes, yeah, that's, there's the, the double thing there. Which yeah, is sometimes the thing that looks like the wrong thing actually helps more <laughs> than someone doing the right thing because the person who's doing the right thing will do nothing, <laughs> and nothing is worse than doing something sort of wrong <laughs> that also has some right in it. Yeah, you know, it's someone who's like. I don't know how to cook you food, so you starve to death. But then the other person goes, I guess I know. And so they bring you a plate of food, and you're like, well, the beans aren't any good, and the eggs aren't great, but the bacon's all right, and the toast is fine. Okay, well, I'm eating bacon and toast, so I'm going to live. That's fine. But the person who wants to make sure they do things right, because they Mm got to do it correctly, uh, the person starves. Because... You never actually do the thing that you do. Mm-hmm. You know, you never get it out there, and it's it's that kind of thing. I just, yeah, I'm 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 fully for as much context as possible and <laughs> as many things as possible. That's why yeah, I right. do like 
right. you know, really like uh, like a Cliff Nesteroff or what have you, who will tell you the behind the scenes things about the comic, uh, you know, a comedy industry, you know, tell you the the the, the stories, the um, the book. Uh, we had a little real estate problem. Mm-hmm. You know, that was mm-hmm. really good. Um, but yeah, I, I I just have this memory of, and I've, it's it's placed in two ways in my head, where like when I started to do stand up. The MC would come out and would do the most offensive material, mm-hmm. which is like whatever is the most shocking material you could do. And the re- and the reason was, okay, now we've established that this is an environment where you can say anything. Yeah. Uh, and so you know we're, we're, we're we can now say anything here, and you know this isn't television. Where television, you know, you've got because you know, your idea of comedy when you go into a comedy club is I've seen comedians on the tonight show mm-hmm. i know what comedy is it's jerry seinfeld yeah. that's what comedy is and maybe sometimes it's richard pryor maybe maybe <laughs> maybe i've seen a concert sure. film with richard pryor sure. okay um but you know i i kind of get it so you need when you go into a comedy club someone to go eh, it could be any of this, these things as well holy shit now you've now you've uh, created an environment where like anything can be said unfortunately then you would then get a parade of 12 white guys doing the same fucking shit and often would do, you know, the homophobic material or, or the racist material or whatever, because yeah. because they would get a reaction, mm-hmm. uh, and a reaction is better than nothing. Huh. So you know, it's better to get people going. Ah, oh, it's like yeah, too offensive for you, huh? Too yeah, like, uh, fucking hot, for you, huh? <laughs> oh, you can't take it. No, no, it's just not good. It's not good. It's not quality <laughs> material. Uh, so you know. The, the bigger problem was that you wouldn't get, you know, a more variety of people doing it. And you wouldn't get more variety of people doing it if you go to a comedy club and the only time you're mentioned is as a punchline for what you are. Yeah. And not your actions, but just like your very existence. It's like, well, I'm not welcome here. See ya. <laughs> There's no way I'm going up on that stage. That yeah. makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, I agree with it's great to create an environment that... You know, lets you say anything, but you cannot say anything if you don't invite everyone. <laughs> and sometimes, in the saying, you know, saying you can say everything, you are now disinviting, you know, these people yeah. with your uh, what, what, what you're presenting up there. And you can't ignore the power dynamic that exists in society at the time. So, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of comedy, as you know, I've been listening. I listen off and on to this uh, funny ten forty. The stand-up comedy channel here, right? So for read, CB read uh, radios for CB radios, right? Ten four, buddy. The hey, uh, anyone out there like Smokies? Boo! <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, um, I don't trust Smokies. I don't trust Smokies. Why would you? Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. I won't go into it. Then. Who uh, likes convoys? Woo! <laughs> Woo! Are they mighty? So uh, on on the station, I've noticed this thing, like like. Uh, there's this comedian named Larry the Cable Guy. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Yeah, did he ever get that thing done? <laughs> so, no, I saw him. Like, I never heard him before. I just saw pictures of him, like, in, you know, and things. And so this was my ref- This was my idea of Larry the Cable Guy. Well, hey, I'm Larry the Cable Guy. I'm blah, blah, blah. I'm kind of a southerner, da, da, da. But like that, right? Yeah. There's him. <laughs> there's a guy called Bill Ingvalt. Okay, yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. Okay, there's a guy. There's a... There's uh, Jeff Foxworthy. Sure. And, and a good one. 
Is there a good one? Yeah, Ron White. Sometimes Ron White's there as well. Okay. Ron White's the good one. I haven't heard Ron White, I don't think. Or maybe I just didn't. No. What, what do they call themselves? Uh, they're not the rednecks of comedy, but like there was the okay. There was the king. Uh, there was the kings of comedy. Sure. Then there was the queens of comedy. Then there's comedians of comedy. Yeah. And they were the somethings of comedy. Okay. And it was and they and then they had their own TV show mm. that a friend of mine was on. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But what Ron White wasn't on it. So what's so okay? So Bink, Bill Ingevold to me is the biggest biggest. Um, like I don't want to call it criminal <laughs> the biggest. <laughs> he's the the biggest uh, like example of this to me because he he plays the, okay. the he play a man he's a man's man. Yeah. He rides horses. Sure, you know he makes fun of Renaissance fairs. You oh, know, thank God, thank God, someone, someone took those finally, yeah. finally. <laughs> so, for the this. But what gets me Lord. is all of them, all of them. <laughs> they sound like this. Well, hey, I'm a southern guy, and I want to tell you right now, everybody, that I got to do that. You got to go It's just like, what? How come you're all so squeaky? I thought you were like men's men. I expected this like real macho I don't want to thing. Ch- I don't want to jump ahead, but yeah. you know why, right? No. Okay. So, um, Jump ahead, please. I will jump ahead. Explicate. That's not Larry the Cable Guy's accent at all. Oh, okay. There's early footage of Larry the Cable Guy who's oh. doing stand-up. Yeah. Just, hey, everybody, how's it going? Um, and, do, do, and doing like, you know, kind of almost Kermit the Froggy. Okay. Like, he's just, he just at one point took a character on. Oh, okay. And then. That know, took I off think, for him. I think Jeff Foxworthy, I mean, yeah. he leans into it, obviously, with the, mm-hmm. you might be redneck if. Yeah. You know, and, and so now he's, he's stuck with that. Uh, but yeah, I think they just lean into it. But oh, okay. yeah, definitely one of them at least is fake. Okay. 100% It's just weird to me, like, you're presenting yourself as, like, a man's man, but you're not like, well, everybody, I'm a real man up here. Let me tell you about me riding a horse. <laughs> I rode this Bronco. No, it's like, I hit this thing. I couldn't believe it. I said, I came up to the bar and I said, where the hell am I? Is this some kind of renaissance fair? This thing, bunch of guys walking around with leotards on. I couldn't believe it. They're like, like yeah. What kind how did, of? A... How did you accidentally end up at the Renaissance Fair? <laughs> my well, wife I saved up my money. And my I wife insisted my I come to this thing. I said, "Well, I guess I'll go with you, honey, because I got to go where she tells me to go." You know what it is with wives. And yeah, this is every We're every doing source our D and D party as we do uh, twice a week, and then all of a sudden the <laughs> you know the sorcerer says to me <laughs> in the middle of rolling the die, he's got like I got a ten. I don't know if I'm going to live or die. He says to me, "There's a Renaissance Fair." I'm like, "Listen." <laughs> I am chaotic neutral. <laughs> I don't know uh, how. I said, I'm not cre- I'm not comfortable with this. I mean, I'll go to a society for creative anachronism. <laughs> I'll do that, but will I go to a Renaissance fair? <laughs> no, I will not. I don't want my mead in a jug. Well, that's right. I think they pay too much attention to reality. Why not have some fun with it? Flex it a bit. Oh, no, that didn't happen. Uh, we don't care. That's right. You know what the Renaissance was? Everyone had bubonic plague. That's a real Renaissance fair. I don't want to be there for that. I need a Renaissance of Renaissance fairs. <laughs> I need a lot of new ideas. It's the old ideas. It's the Dark Angels for Renaissance fairs. There's the irony. Hey, folks, where am I playing? San Diego Comic-Con? Nope. What? Where am I? Oh, shit. Oh, wrong room. Oh, my mistake. I better tell my bronco-busting story. Uh, you might be a Star Wars fan if you're fucking a droid. <laughs> Is this something I noticed? It's funny because you, you don't... You know, your experience of comedy, my experience of comedy is I'll watch who I like, mm-hmm. whereas this is you will listen to who we play. And so, you, you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing, I'm, I'm learning two things. One is that there's a, you know, many more comedians that I, that I ever knew about out there. Mm-hmm. Two, I was right in who I chose to like. 
those are the things I've learned. So that, I, you know, my filter was correct, but also there's a lot of people out there, you know. Yeah, I'm trying to... Oh, Blue Collar TV was what the, the TV uh, okay. show they ended yeah, up yeah. on. And that was, uh, yeah, that was a show that... Uh, Peter Oldring, who's a local uh, comedian. He I did, see. Um, it was a, not wait, what? Uh, it was a, there was a Canadian show where they would uh, uh, do kind of, not pranks, but they would like say things like, you know, the Calgary Aquarium is going out of business. So they're going to be like selling all the fish as food. Okay. You know, for people are going to have a big seafood buffet. Yeah, yeah. And so they're going to do that. People would call, really call in. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? Yeah, that kind of thing. That's interesting. The thing I don't like on this channel is they'll often play, particularly Jimmy Kimmel, pranking people, like phoning and saying, hi, I'm uh, Oprah's assistant, and uh, we're looking for, you know, something. And uh, Because my feeling about... This Is That was the name of the radio show. Okay. Oh, I remember that show. Um, My feeling about pranking is that it always, it only works on people who are kind and good-natured. And so you're either, you're either mm-hmm. playing off people's politeness because they don't want to just like shit on you when you're giving this long story and they're just kind of like, uh-huh, mm-hmm. Saying to their friends, like making the talk, you know, thing to their friends and rolling their eyes. Or they're good natured and, you know, like they see, see you're in trouble. So they stop to help you. And then you're like, eh, not in trouble at all. This is pranking you, you sucker. Mm-hmm. Like, well, way to reward good behavior. Yeah, folks. when it's just for laughs gags. And, like, uh, they're faking being a cop. Mm. No! Well, luckily I don't trust them. You can't fake... The, yeah, you can't... No shit in Canada. They never know if you're getting real one or not. Right. And, like, you look down and see the cop. What's this guy? Ah, he's got no pants on. That's the funny thing. He's wearing a little dress. Yeah. Ah, that's good. Okay, well, you still think it's a cop, so he could shoot you. So fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Like, the, no. No or That's it. Or there's, like, a lady who's, like, walking... Or the thing they'll do, like, they'll, they'll attach, like, the the baby seat to the top of the car and start driving out of the parking lot. And so people are like, you got your baby on top of your car. Oh, ho, ho, ho. so funny. Making people scared for a baby on top of a car. Like that's not even, yeah. Get away from me. Yeah. The problem with I the Jimmy Kimmel it. stuff is the power dynamic doesn't work. Mm. You know, if you're calling a politician yeah. and you're kind of like getting them to, you know, this is the, it's like the Boratty thing. Yeah. For the most yeah. Part, you know, the sure. ones that really work well are the ones where, you know, it's someone who's got power, over someone else, like he goes in and he's like, uh, you know, he's talking to a doctor, a plastic surgeon, and getting the plastic surgeon to say the horrible things the plastic surgeon will do, yeah, you know, to make money, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, like the sixteen-year-old girl, well, she needs this, 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 and this, yeah, 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 like, yeah. Okay, good. Expose that person. They've got power. You're you're exposing them for yeah. good reasons. Fantastic. Yeah. Calling someone at work where they've got to answer the phone, yeah, you know, to the pizza parlor and asking for whatever fucking thing you're yeah. asking for. They can't. They can't leave, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, an example of that in the Borat film is the guy who has the Xerox machine or the fax machine for, yeah. for him, where that guy is just at his job and he's got to deal with his stuff. Hopefully, when yeah. the scene was done, they said, "Thanks a lot for your help." That you know, you know, like just as for just for fun. Hope you're okay with that or whatever. You know, like I just, yeah. I just hope that they don't just like you know make him sign a release and then that's yeah. The it, only thing I, I, wasn't there something where. He was trying to send out a fax of like trying to get someone murdered or something though. Wasn't there something like I that? I don't remember that. It was like either that or he was getting the fact he was getting the facts back. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Uh where it was just like, oh, the government says you're gonna be murdered. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Oh. And so the guy's kinda like be sympathetic, like, sorry. Yeah. yeah <laughs> not sure. But I mean it's just their politeness. They yeah. probably don't even believe what's happening is yeah. really happening. They just think it's a gag. I mean, this person's in a rather elaborate fat suit and costume and stuff like that, like you know, those things might work on film, but in real life, they don't go very far, you know. It's okay on stage with, you know, 50 yards away or 50 feet away from the stage or whatever. But when you're standing right next to a person, you can tell they have a fake nose on. Like, 
those things don't really work very well. Yeah. So I don't know. As if people just go along with it, I guess, either to be on, be in a movie or to uh, just be polite. And I think I know there's people that say satire doesn't work and has no. And I, I understand. There's also people going to think that. But I think like when people think of Rudy Giuliani now, they think of him with his hands down his pants, mm. you know, lying on that bed, just looking like a freaking idiot. And and then when so much stuff was happening afterwards and he was still, you know, the president's lawyer and you saw him, you just kept thinking, mm, that guy. <laughs> and I think that I think that did take him down enough notches that it was sure. like any whatever the next semi dumb thing mm-hmm. he'd do, people were on the hunt for it and they saw it and they would call it out. And then he did a lot of dumb shit, so it was, that was pretty good. And so, yeah, it, uh, I think that that helped when you know when the lawyer is a is a doofus. Yeah, I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure. I mean, I'm thinking about the satire boom in England in the late six or early sixties, I should say. Mm-hmm. People like Peter Cook and um, whatever that show was called. The, that was the week that was or whatever. Tis yeah. was, and then uh, the Private Eye, obviously the magazine Private Eye, and and things like that that you know fed into this. But I feel like. Like what makes Private Eye effective is the fact that they have a fearlessness of reporting. You know, they're not they're not beholden to a corporation. They're not owned by Rupert Murdoch. They're not, you know, they were owned by Peter Cook for till he till he passed away. That was the owner of of Private Eye. So who do you answer to? This irresponsible comedian. That's who. You know, that guy. It's, you know, he's the one who revealed who the craze were when everyone else was afraid to. But he did it, and then he went on vacation, left the left the uh, fallout for the rest of the actual editors of Private Eye. Sorry, I'm looking over here trying to find that Woody Allen quote on uh, satire. Oh, and, uh, Nazis. Dif- difference, yes, but yeah, bricks and bats are more effective uh, than uh, than a biting piece, biting op-ed piece in the Times. Yeah. It's it's always strange to me. Something like this hour is 22 minutes and air farce. You know, being on the CBC mm-hmm. and like you know attacking politicians, oh, sure. attacking with a soft uh, pillow uh, politicians, <laughs> but just going like, yeah, you're you're on the you're on the CBC. It yeah. just feels like so chummy. You're, you're just so chummy. It's and so chummy. Then, that's and what then it is. and then you're doing bits with them and you're doing shtick and it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah, it had no teeth because the, I mean, it felt like it did. You know, sort of near the beginning and then yeah, over time you just become part of the environment you become part of the establishment and yeah. then you're you're part of the factory that makes you kind mm-hmm. of accept these things mm-hmm. in fact sometimes you become the thing that because there is the satire you feel like things are being taken care of so you don't have to take care of them yeah it's like well clearly yeah. this is we got this yeah, yeah, covered. Got, that guy made fun of him on tv last night so uh we're, that's done right yeah we're good we're good we're good no 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 Sold no, it. no 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 sold it no 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 all done no, not at all <laughs> Yeah, we all know like the satire boom in the sixties. It fixed everything. Everything's fine. Mort Saul, Lenny Bruce, Peter Cook. You know the Establishment Club. All that stuff took care of everything. No more inequality after that. It was all fine. Do you think of something though, like okay, something as base and dumb as Chevy Chase just falling down as Ford, mm. and 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 you know he didn't look like Ford. He yeah. didn't act like Ford. Yeah. He but but he really established. Ford's a dummy yeah. who just falls down. Yeah. Uh, do you think that that hurt Ford? No, I think what hurt Ford was pardoning Nixon. Mm-hmm. That's what hurt Ford. Like he he was a shoe in. He was literally he was way ahead of yeah. Carter, and then he he pardoned Nixon, and that was it for him. No, I I think what satire in the '60s did is it planted a germ, you know, and that grows through generations, you know, and I think that's what's mo- most important. Is that I don't think you can make immediate changes, but I think over time the 
the climate will change over time, it, you know, but it has to come, it's a bottom up thing. It's from the youth up, you know, and you hope that they can have the, the, uh, the effective, you know, they can be effective at making these changes as they grow older. But the idea that everything's great, I think, is also. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. yeah. It's never, as, things are never great. <laughs> no, that's it. Things exactly. Things are never great. I, yeah. I, I mean, I fall, I fall in the middle on it in that, you know, people that say it has no effect, I, I, I think that's not true. Yeah. I think there's people now that remember Ford as like being this real clumsy guy who's fallen down all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like he fell down maybe twice, like he fell on some stairs yeah, yeah. once, you know. And but it's not, it doesn't really satire, though. I mean, this is making fun of a person. But I don't well, think that's it's what really, you're saying. It's yeah. the dumb version. Yeah, okay, yeah. Saturday version. Night Live's version of, of, of that, like um, uh, Dana Carvey's version of uh, George W. Bush, yeah. is yeah. not even really satirical. It's just a big clowny, clowny, yeah, yeah. clowny Not going to do it. Yeah, but when you think of Bush, you think probably of that version. I think of that cartoon. Funnily, version. I don't. That's You don't, but, but I would say a lot yeah. of... That's interesting, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm sure you, you're right. You walk yeah. in... Your your version of the guy. Yeah, that's that's something that like uh, it's definitely there. <laughs> you, you know, things like the not gonna do it and all the all the lines that he mm-hmm. never said. Yeah, yeah. Be yeah. prudent. Never said that. Yeah, yeah. But you think like, yeah, he said those things. No, he didn't. That was just the. But that's the effectiveness version. of the of the character of the impersonation. You know, and I and I, I think that's that's fine. I but I don't think that's really once again. I don't think it's satire so much as like you say, it's dumb or soft satire. Mm-hmm. This is making fun. It's not. He's not. They're making fun of. The you know the the situation that brings brings someone like Bush into power, right? You know all the you know all the big money and oil and all the you know it's everything that's like this huge power structure that's behind all this stuff. Like they're not making fun of that because they're on NBC, which is part of this big power structure. Yeah, it was weird with someone like uh, someone like a Trump because you got two sides to it. One is how do you satirize a clown like some someone who's so over the top okay. that like. Normally, your thing is you do a comedic exaggeration of this mm-hmm. person, but they're already as exaggerated as it can be. Mm-hmm. They're wearing clown makeup. They've got clown hair. Their their mannerisms and physicality is just bizarre. Yeah, you know what do you do? Like to to me, like the way you did it w- would be like how they actually did on Saturday Night Live, um, where they made fun of Reagan. Where um, it was Joe Piscopo, and actually, I think no, was it? No, it wasn't. Was Phil Hartman, uh, and uh, and so he'd be doing his Reagan and doing all the way well, this that and the other. Yeah. And then as soon as like the press left, he was all right. Let's get going. And it was just this real organized guy. He was real tight and sharp as an attack, and yeah. you know knew everything that was going on. It's like yeah, that would be the way to do Trump is to sure. show like yeah. no, this guy's really on the ball. And or my other way of that would be to say everything he says is true and show that everything he says is true. And so what a bizarre world that would be if it was all true. So, sure. so it was like, it made it very difficult to satirize because he was so over the top, but he was the most sensitive guy to it of any politician I've mm. ever seen. Yeah. Where like he would actively go, go after people that would make fun of him yeah. and let them know that they hurt his feelings. <laughs> and it was like, wow, that's so strange that both of these things. Yeah. You've never really seen. You would not, you know, have George Bush go go on the, you know, on anything and just go, "Hey, quit it." That makes me yeah. feel bad. A sensitive bully. You're not that's, funny. Do you think that's yeah. funny? It's not funny to make fun of me. Stop it. It's not funny. You're not funny. Shut up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yes. they they're they're more intelligent than than Trump in that sense. You know, to not just to let it. You know, if you don't draw attention to it, it's the Barbara Streisand effect, right? If you don't draw attention to yourself, yeah, stupidly, then then people aren't going to pay attention to you. But if you make a big fuss about something, then it just makes it seem even weirder. I think you're right. I think 
I think if you're going to do, if you're going to do a parody of Trump, you'd parody it by making him a mafia don. And you make, you make him as evil and as callous as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Don't make him a clown. No. Make, him, make him a literally evil person who is working for evil, you know. And I think that's the most accurate way to portray that person as well. Because he was actively an evil person yeah. working to evil, yeah. do evil. And by making him into On a clown. On every level to a, bizarre, to a bizarre level that you're like, well, that can't be true. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 Not, yeah, not just like, a, you know, a hara- not just a harasser, you know, not just a serial harasser, but also like someone who actively, intentionally planned for an armed resurrection, resurrection, insurrection to yeah. take place. Maybe an armed resurrection. I don't know. I don't know. He's always trying plans. to bring back Christ. Yeah, he's trying to bring, but with arms. He wanted him to have rifles and stuff like that. He wanted an yeah. indestructible Messiah with. Uh, with this is your guns. blood. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> this is your blood. I spill. So uh, yeah, I just I think that's probably the the really the only way to go. But no one, yeah, you can't. No one's going to do that because it would be shocking and get you in trouble. And yeah. we already have this really sensitive orange faced person. You'd be red faced. You'd be so mad. Yeah, you wouldn't want that. No. Yeah. Again, uh, let me bring up my wife as much as possible here. Um, <laughs> does she have a uh, show on TV coming up pretty soon? She does. She's as uh, wise as uh, What is it? Uh, uh, FX Hulu. Please uh, check your listings. September thirteenth. Uh, September thirteenth, I believe. Uh, but. She uh, became an editorial cartoonist uh, after you know, that guy was yeah. thing, yeah. and so and so yeah, it was like her trying to find the angle mm-hmm. on this kind of thing, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, what is the angle? And the angle I found that she went with most often was yeah, uh, what he's doing is really really bad. Yeah. So it's not yeah. like look at this clown. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a, check out the funny clown. No, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. We can see that he's a funny clown. Yeah. You know, here's the dark side and what he's doing That's and right. affecting other people yeah. and winding them up and co- making them cause, you yeah. know, a lot of... Uh, why, why is yeah. he putting this woman in charge of, of education? Why is he putting this man in why charge of the environment? Why is everyone in charge of something they have no uh, ability to be in charge of or no connection to? Yeah. It's, well, that, that, yeah, well, that, well, or why are, why, is, why are people who are antagonistic to these things being mm. put in? Why is the Postmaster General antagonistic to the post office? Why is the person in charge of environment antagonistic to the yeah, environment? Yeah, why is the person in charge of health cancer? <laughs> That's just exactly right. He actually why did he they... put bowel cancer in charge of <laughs> health. That's really strange. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's yeah. It, but those are, those are things that are, not, you know, kind of beyond the toothless satire that we exist in right now. I mean, it's weird to think, like when you think of like a proper time, like when people behaved in a you know, in a more polite manner where society was more polite. And then there's an author that wrote a proposal that people eat the Irish, people eat Irish babies to help with, yeah, to help solve the food, food crisis, you know, and a like wrote it in a very serious and, 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 not, and no way did it like yeah. wink. It didn't wink at all. It's an unwinking, you know, horrifying idea written as in like a brilliant idea, you know, and that's, that is satire with some teeth, you know, that's, and I don't think it changed very much. I don't think people went, oh, well, we should give Ireland its freedom. That's this is obviously, you know, but it definitely plants a germ in people's minds that over time leads to something good happening. You know what I mean? Like, because it's easy to dehumanize people and make them into a, a subject of just thraldom because they're not really human. They're Irish. 
they're not really human, they're black. Mm -hmm. But if someone humanizes them or makes in a way or does something that's so horrifying that humanizes them to you. So the readers are like eating babies. Well, that's just horrible. Who would even think of such a thing? What a ridiculous. Oh, wait, now they're humans to me. Yeah. Because they're more than just. It all takes it all takes like a little chip out of the brick wall. Yeah. A little tiny, tiny chip. It's like, you know, hey, what's that song? I'm not going to play Sun City. Well, that's not going to stop apartheid. Apartheid's been around for. You think that song's going to stop apartheid? You think that song? Yeah. Uh, have you heard the song? That's, that's <laughs> the song that's going to stop apartheid. Smash cut to a couple of years later. I mean, there there's lots of things that were happening, but what that did yeah. what that did was it put it shamed the people who were playing yeah, yeah. Sun City and stopped that from happening. And that's that's I think what art can do mm-hmm. is put a focus on in a way that you know yeah. makes it you know you can you can digest it hopefully you know yeah but, because I mean in the sixties like I know like I know for instance the Birds played Sun City in the sixties and it was no big deal. To them, because they didn't know what it was or anything about South Africa. They just were given up, you know, they're like part of our itinerary. Or you think, this is how it is over there. Or, yeah, that's, that's it, that's it. What are you going to do? Are you going to fix Africa? Is that what you're going to do? You're going to go, okay, well, what, what are your ideas yeah. for fixing Africa? I'm sure that's the only place they played in Africa. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, it, uh, although, interestingly, that was one of the reasons that Graham Parsons gave for leaving the birds at the time was that he, he didn't want to play some city because he oh. thought it was racist to... No, he's not wrong. He was right. He was right. They still went and did it because, you know, money. But birds, birds got to fly. Birds got birds to fly. By that, we mean rubbing your fingers together and, and getting money. And the thing you got to know is uh, it was it was down south. And birds, you know, will go down south. <laughs> That's right. They had to... Ha- they had try, to and, try and stop them. They had to go uh, on their... What do they call that when they're... Migrate. They had to migrate. migrate. Yeah. <laughs> wow, what a, what a weird turn this conversation took. It It has, but you know what? That's what you get when you get the morning show. All right. So that was a lot of controversial topics. We're going to open up the phone line and see what you all think. And oh, you've all gone. Everyone left. Here are no the one. Sneaky Dragon Zoo. Uh, we've got a request to just list our favorite chocolate bars. <laughs> here's, our, here's our prank calls to the chocolate bar store. Let's call them up. Hi, you got a wig wag? You got a wigwag? Oh, what a wigwag! Uh, uh, yeah, we got wig. Uh, no, no, we don't have wigwags anymore. They're called curly whirly bars now. Oh, you better talk to your doctor then. <laughs> Auga, <laughs> Phil's favorite. Phil's favorite sound effect: a bear roaring. <laughs> I don't know why Phil likes it so much. It's, it's not really traditionally funny, but all right, Phil, it's for you, buddy. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, everyone's just turned to 1040. It's like, let's listen, let's listen to what those guys have to say. Professionals. Yeah. These amateurs, rank amateurs. And again, let me just say, Ron White. Check out Ron White. Not bad. I know he's hanging out with those guys sometimes, but then he left. And uh, just just the smarter guy. I'll keep, I'll keep my ear open he's for him. He's one of these guys who's it. always got the glass of whiskey with him and okay. usually a cigarette, if you yeah. can have a cigarette. Not yeah. as much anymore. Yeah, yeah. The real, a real uh, Dave Allen. I was uh, listening to... Um, our uh, friend uh, Bob, uh, who is the husband of Nina, our yes, third dragon sure. uh, podcast, and uh, they brought up uh, on their the podcast Talking Simpsons uh, smoking pits. Oh, at in, schools, uh, at schools, and and uh, they had not heard of these before. What? And, yeah, they're watching a Simpsons episode where there was like a smoking area at the school. Okay, and I guess those things don't exist anymore. They do. They're just not part of the school. Okay. Like I, when we went to school. It, it, it just, it, I remember even when I was in school, though, it stunned me that these things existed. 
I don't know if it stung me. What stung me, though, was that they had the best place in the school at Burnsview. They had this, we had like a little annex that was like a little garden. Mm -hmm. uh, it was an uncovered area. There was covered areas, but it had an uncovered part that had like a little a garden in it and stuff like that. And yet it was turned over entirely to like a gang of smoking teens. And that, those were the only, cause you didn't want to go in there once it was full of like older kids who were smoking. Like, who else? Why don't go in that dive? What a pit. But it was the nicest part of the school. But you couldn't go in there and use it because it was turned over to those people. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, they still have smoking areas at schools because they don't want to, kids to leave the school grounds well, this to is smoke. Well, this is what I'm curious about. Is like mm -hmm. back in the day, the idea was, well, we can't stop them. Yeah. So we're, what do you mean you can't stop them? <laughs> you can't, you You're can't. a school. What are you talking about? Yeah. What do you mean talk about you can't stop them? So they still have smoking areas at schools. Yeah, because you can't stop them. What? Because they'll leave, they'll leave the school grounds Fine. and smoke. But, but the schools are still responsible for the kids, so they can't actively make them leave the schools. But nowadays, the smoking areas are far away from the school. Like, it's, like they don't, they're not in the school or part of the, you know, they're not like a special area. Like, the kids, they have a golden throne to sit on while they're smoking, you know. That's what it felt like when we were growing up. Yeah. Because, you know... The teacher smoked. They had nothing against smoking yeah. when we were growing up. There was no nothing against it. Everyone smoked. People smoked on planes. They smoked in theaters. They smoked in the mall. They smoked in restaurants. But it just felt like, you know, then we had the, the thing where, uh, you know, then we stopped smoking in, say, comedy clubs and what have you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they had uh, Kathy uh, Griffin uh, just recently um, came down with uh, lung cancer, stage one lung cancer, which actually is very beatable and uh, mm -hmm. wishing her the best and everything. But she was talking about how, uh, you know, and she, she was saying how she never smoked. Mm. And I'm like, but you did comedy in yeah, the late 80s comedy. and early 90s. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It was like, so you you did. Yeah. You know, you there was the secondhand smoke in all the clubs. And then... There's that. There's also there's also rare, tricky lung... Like, oh, like, abs absolutely. Like Andy Kaufman died of lung disease as well, or lung cancer as well, but he did not smoke. He just had a... A type of lung cancer that occurs, you know, freak freakishly for anyone. Sure. Yeah. And, okay, yes. Uh, also, <laughs> and yeah. also, yeah. every night, if he was doing like... I know, but his night, was not related to... Underst smoking, understood. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know... But you're I, right. I mean, you're also susceptible to it Yeah, as well. you're in a room full of uh, secondhand cigarette smoke soaking yeah. in it yeah. uh, for hours, you know, every night. Sure. I also used to feel like really, for the staff, was just... Yeah. But a lot of them smoked too, so... A lot of them did, but you smoked if you didn't smoke. Like, regardless, mm -hmm. you, were, you were still uh, caught. In. And then, of course, when, you no. know, they uh, they changed that, you, you were told, oh, well, no one's going to go to anything anymore. And there was no difference, <laughs> it made a difference whatsoever. Well, I always assumed, like, when that shut... Like, if, if you can't smoke at, you know, a nightclub or a comedy club, mm -hmm. I assumed that at that point they would have shut it down at schools as well. But you're saying... So nightclub, we can't we can shoot shut it well, down. Well, because but we can't shut it down at a school. Yeah, because they can't like like I say they can't make the kids leave like force the kids to leave the school grounds. Well, to no, smoke. they wouldn't force the kids to leave. They just can't smoke. I know, but they'll leave to smoke. Like if you enforce a no smoking rule, yeah, they will go smoking somewhere else off the school grounds. But then you punish them for that because <laughs> you're leaving to smoke. All right. Yeah, it's like you know. So if they smoke in the in the bathrooms, yeah, because you know they gotta smoke. Well, now they're vaping in the in the classrooms. So that's a totally different problem. There's a school in uh, Surrey that had to close its bathrooms because they had so much uh, moisture damage from people vaping in them. So the the walls were all getting uh, mildewy from the the vape. 
uh, moisture. And kids will vape in class. Like they have these little tiny vapes that they'll like put in their shirt sleeves and they'll they'll vape and then they'll blow into their shirt sleeves so that you don't see the smoke, the, the, the vapor. Mm-hmm. And they'll do it right in class. Yeah. Like it's... And if they get caught, what's it, the situation? Not much because not much they can do. Schools are kind of limited what they can do nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of weird. Like, well, we grew up at a time when schools, yeah, it's just weird to me. Like, I don't know how teachers do it nowadays, really, because they don't have much recourse. They can't, if you're late with an assignment, they can't mark you late. They just have to mark it. So then kids just hand in all their assignments at the end of the semester. So teachers are just like, before report cards are doing, they're just madly marking all this stuff that was due through for the through the months before the for the end of you know not all kids obviously there's kids who are good but for a lot of kids just take advantage of it to like hand in everything at the end and then you can write tests over and over again to pass them okay so if you fail a test then you can come back and write it again and if you fail that test you can come back and write it again this is weird to me okay I don't know what they're I don't know what people are learning from that but I guess they're learning something yeah huh. <laughs> this is a weird system. I, I, mean, understand, like, I mean, I guess you can say, yeah, you know, well, they got no power. What can you do? And like, okay, did they ever have power? I don't think they, I mean, within the classroom, I mean, in terms of teaching, they had some power. But yeah, it's just weird. I mean, I think it's because, I mean, most it's not it's not for the kids that they do stuff like this. It's entirely to impress statistics, mm-hmm. right? So you can like point to our graduation, like, you know, percentage of kids who graduate and go, look at that, way up from the 70s to now, way up. You're like, yeah, but should those kids have passed? Or did you just like kind of push them through with this weird thing you're doing? Mm. They just pass anyway, but they didn't learn anything. They're just going out the door, you know? It's like, yeah, it's I, got weird, mi- uh, I got mixed feelings on the course, whole thing, of course. Of course you do, because yeah. you don't like school. So. Yeah, I mean, I thought school was a waste of time. Yeah, so it's like, I mean, it's tough for me to defend it and go like, oh, well, you know, the kids should be there and learning stuff. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm, yeah, whatever. I know. Um, but I it's know. weird also to hear like, and there's nothing we can do. Like if you went to the smoking area and a kid was smoking a joint, what do you? Uh, what happens there? It's like well, he's I just going to go. He's going to go off and he's going to smoke a joint over there. Well, it's legal though. Well, it's not legal for his age. Okay, or her age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like that's illegal for you to to, to smoke yeah. a joint unless think... unless you're a kid who is you know at yeah. school who is like of legal age. I don't know what's legal age to smoke a joint. 19? I have no idea. Same as uh, maybe same as drinking. Yeah. So that'd be unusual that kids would be nineteen. No, and but, then the kid goes, it's for medical reasons. And then you're like, well, okay. Well I, well, I need a doctor's note. And then you get a doctor's note. And yeah. it's like, okay, well, what can That's we do? It. There you go. Yeah, no, I just... Because you know they are, right? Like, there's no way they're not yeah. smoking joints in, yeah. the, uh, in the smoking area. Sure. Can they do anything about it? I mean, sure. If the teachers caught them, I guess they could get suspended or whatever. Make them smoke the whole joint? Miss three days of school. But are kids out? If kids out in the smoking area, kids out in the smoking area smoking joints, are they really going to sweat three days suspension or whatever for getting caught? Yeah, I never quite understood that either. (laughs) Just like, hey, you don't like school? Yeah, how about we send you away from school? Yeah, Hmm. it's just a way to get rid of them. This is a way to get them out of your hair. It has nothing to do with... Will I be able to catch up on those three days? Oh, yeah. Oh, so those three days were useless. Or will you even try? Yeah. I mean, let's face it. The people, you know, like there's a... There's a hierarchy of interest in school, right? So I still believe, and this is me being, you know, a guy who knows nothing, and so sure. uh, that's why I've got a podcast so I can say such things. I still believe yeah. that the only way you could learn shit is not having this instant change from thing to thing. Like, you know, we're going to learn math for an hour. Now get yeah. out of here. Yeah. Uh, go learn some biology. Okay, forget that. Go run around the block a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Okay, now come back here. Now we're going to learn, you know, uh, <laughs> the periodic table of elements. Yeah. Okay. 
how is any of that shit going to stick in your head? You've got no time to let it stick. You got to like make the whole day about this is science day. Now this is math day. Now this is kids. Day. Kids don't learn very with well. With one, math. with one break, you know, <laughs> yeah. for like, uh, you know, some gym thing, some mm-hmm. physical thing, because you got to like blow off some steam. But you, so you're saying kids can't learn like it that? doesn't work very well. And in fact, they're learning that right now with the way it, schools are having to operate with with uh, with the uh, cohorts going to having limited class classes. Okay, you know, they're going to like two hour classes and stuff like that. The kids really kind of zone out so if you but if you're studying french first thing yeah after you've finished your french class like mm-hmm. traditionally if you finish a french class like as an adult yeah you know you're gonna go to french class you're gonna learn these things and then when you're done you're gonna have it going around in your head for a while you're gonna have it let it soak in a right. bit instead it's just ring get to your locker yeah. ring get to the next class yeah. ring throw that all out yeah get rid of it all <laughs> now we're gonna learn biology yeah Remember everything from biology from yesterday? No, because I haven't a chance to, you know, kind of refresh my, nope, and get rid of that French shit. <laughs> so, so what you end up with is yeah. people like me yeah. who studied French for, I don't know, six years, and I don't know French, but I went to hours and hours and hours and hours yeah. and hours of French class. And I don't know French. If I went to hours and hours and hours and hours of driving class and yeah. I couldn't drive, then you'd go, well, that was a waste of fucking time. But that could happen. If you went to driving class and you weren't weren't interested in learning to drive, you could easily go through hours and hours of driving class and come out of it on the but other end would, without caring. You should, no one basic, cared about... you should have a basic knowledge of how to drive a car after, I don't know, literally 100 hours of driving class. You should. Like, sure. You've had you 100 cared. hours of French class. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Easy. In fact, most of us have. Yeah. You know, let's even say 50. Well, that's too little. 75. Sure. You know, you should know some basic conversational French after 75 fucking hours of French class. But we don't. No, because so we didn't care. it doesn't work. We didn't care. Well, it's not doesn't care. It means it's broken. The system is broken. If this many people yeah. get 75 hours of French class and yeah. don't know any French, that's broken. That's a waste of time for everyone involved. For the teachers, for the students... For everyone. Yeah. And but I mean, I took the same amount of time in math and my math yeah. ability is like... That means how they teach math is wrong. It's... Wow. It just also speaks to your interest in these things. Interest you know. be damned. If, you, if, you, if you've studied I remember, 75 goddamn hours, you should know some basic calculus. Sure. But I remember, I remember like things I learned in social studies. I remember facts that I learned in social studies class. Okay. Because I paid attention in social studies. Okay. I paid attention. And to be honest with you, I learned French because that's how I, I can read Tintin books in French and stuff like that. Because you had an interest in Tintin. Because I had an interest in reading. And yeah, I was interested in the reading element of it. So So there was a practical I, application. There's a practical for application for me, yeah. And so there you go. So that feels like, oh, so for a kid to learn in yeah. school, you need a practical application. And to me, if you're talking driving... Driving would be, uh, you know, uh, you don't want sure. to die in a car accident. So <laughs> well, I don't really teach in driving in, in school, but some some schools they used to. I guess, I guess, according to that Walt Disney show. Yeah, to, to the Disney <laughs> show. Yeah, they used to teach it in America. <laughs> I guess I don't. I've never met anyone who had driving. Maybe they had driving class. I don't know. If they did, I'd probably know how to drive. Maybe, or you would have paid attention. Too interested in the girl sitting behind you. Joke, joke, joke. Yeah, what I know about... <laughs> yeah, but I think in 75 hours, I would have picked up something. Like, again, the sheer amount of time. I don't think if there was a driving component in school, it would be like a, f- a full year of, of driving class. It would be like a module of some other thing. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, you might have like 
say you went into the, was sort of like a, a like a life skills class where you like learn how to like do your taxes and you'd learn like budgeting and then you'd learn driving and things like that, which are all good things to learn. I think I don't think I don't see anything wrong with te- schools teaching that, but I just think that all of those things depend on the student's interest in them. And if you're not that, if you're not, so you're, you're putting the you're putting the blame on the student then for not. I'm not blaming them. I mean, they're. I think you're right in the terms that it's. The fault it's is not in, a perp- not the it's not a perfect system. system. Yeah, well, I mean, the, I mean, I mean, like to me, the smorgasbord system. <laughs> I don't even if you were interested and we're like yeah. trying to be like. I mean, of course, there's some students who will get straight A's and everything, and they they've sure. got a they got a thing in place, and they got nothing else in their lives, or they yeah. dedicate themselves all to this and all to this. Yeah, but if you're an average kid, it just feels like the smorgasbord of just like learn this now, learn this now, learn this now, this all in one day. Yeah, how? Well, I learned to play trumpet in band, and that mm-hmm. was doing it, you know, an hour a day, yeah. you know, during during school time. So I don't think it's... There was a practical application, though, to it. There was a physical application. Sure, but... You it, actually had to play yeah. the trumpet that you play. Yeah, there's that part. I mean, I mean, theoretically, there's a physical application to the math you're learning. There's a test you have to write as well. Yeah. You know, so if but you, if you a, are, if you are interested in your marks, you will... You will study for your test, and you will learn that math. But you physically like are me, holding for instance, a trumpet, yeah. and you can tell I suck. Like you can tell <laughs> yes, I'm no good, true. and you want to get better and better. Yeah. Whereas math is, I think I get this. Maybe I don't get this. No, I, sort I never of get this. I never then, had that illusion. Then, like a week in on your test, I didn't get that. <laughs> I never had that illusion that I got it. So I was always, I was always uh, taught. I was always given the, uh, the a spanking by the final three questions on the, in the math practice things mm-hmm. those fucking three last questions motherfuckers like if they just would do like the same thing all the way down but they always throw like the curveball at you at the end and you're just like i don't know what this how this works yeah even even jim and i think i've brought this up before maybe to the point of like being annoying is i felt like gym class men's fit which you enjoyed i did not care it, for i loved it yeah i know you did that's good um <laughs> i didn't mind the running aspect of it but it was definitely designed for kids who drove because they would they would take you out and it was like they would never tell you what you were going to run that day. They would okay. never tell you what it yeah. was going to be. Yeah. But then the gym teacher would come out and just go, "You're going to go down one twelfth. You're going to turn left on that. You're going to go on this. You're going to go this and that and that." I don't know the streets. Mm. I don't drive. Yeah. I don't know what you're fucking talking about. You just gave me like all these instructions on how to get somewhere, and I'm like, I don't know. You just told me too many things. I don't know where that is. Yeah. I don't drive. What the fuck are you talking about? Uh, and but there couldn't have, been, like, any, oh, couldn't have been any kids driving when we were, I mean, we were taking grade 11. When you were 16? Grade 11? Yeah. Is that 16? Yeah. Well, okay. no, that's 17. Grade 11? You're 17? Yeah, 17. And you graduate when you're 17 or 18. Yeah. So, yeah, 16 year old. When you're in, okay. when you're in high school, I wasn't school, driving. I wasn't driving at that time. Well, there was so. cars in the parking lot. I know, I'm just saying, I, but I, I didn't realize that. I just but wasn't. Did you know I didn't your drive. way around like the streets? Like when, when they oh, told I no you. Idea. Go down this, go to this, go to this. Or did you just like run with the other kids yeah. and try to fake it? Yeah, I would run with the other kids. Okay. So so with me, yeah. it was like, yeah, you know, I'm I'm not really a, a run in a grouper type person. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, I don't know where it is. And so at some point, like the kids would get away from me mm. and I'd be like, well, I'm lost. I've got no clue what you're doing. And <laughs> then you'd terrible. get the scolding of just like, hey, we said to run up. Well, that's nice. What the fuck are those streets? Yeah, I would. Ha- I would still have that problem. And I don't. Of course, they're obscure streets because yeah. you don't want to like, get, you know, you, you're having your kids run weird because you got to do five k, so you're going to run down some weird freaking boulevards. 
yeah, it was like, ah, well, this isn't for me. This huh. isn't not, this is designed for drivers, yeah. people who yeah, and taxi drivers who know every fucking location. <laughs> I, I would still have a problem. Go down with to that. Coleman's cul-de-sac. All right. If I give instructions to someone that I don't know streets at all, so I'm like, oh, well, you just drive down that road and you turn just when you go past the railroad tracks, make a left, make a right turn. Then when you get to the Save On Warehouse, the light there, make a left turn, go straight across 200th. When you get as far as you can going forward, make a right turn. Just follow that down, pass the roundabout to the next four-way stop, make, hang a left there. That'll get you in the... You know, I just... Yeah. I prefer uh, uh, New York instructions. Are you familiar with those? No. Okay. So where do you want to go? Tell me where you want to go in New York. Uh, can, can I get to East 41st, please? East 41st Street? Yeah. Okay. You're going to walk down here three blocks. Okay. Three blocks. Then you ask someone else. <laughs> That's New York instructions. <laughs> That's fairly helpful, I guess. Yeah, it is because there's going to be someone, someone there you can ask. Yeah, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you closer. Yeah, and then to somewhere where you know where it is. Yeah, yeah. And like, yeah, go to the M&M store, then ask someone else. I guess they recognize this how hopeless it is to try to explain it. In Absolutely, because the person's just going to be what? Yeah, and it's like yeah, I'm going to give you the simplest thing. Yeah, and then a really easy instruction, <laughs> and then you're going to ask someone else, and then you're going to be fine. It also has the advantage of being kind of rude at the same time. Yeah, so it's very New York. It's very pleasing. Then you're out of my hair. <laughs> yeah, we're not having a long conversation right now. Fair enough. Fair enough. Are you you're you're clicking at your computer? So I thought you maybe were going to say time for. No, I I was, and I I got a response to a note that I had given, and the and the response makes me just like my jaw is dropping, but I cannot say it on yeah. the air. Yeah, that's fine. So we will uh, talk over it later on, sure, and we sure. will uh, go. What? Shake our heads. So anyway, there's that. Um, but yes, David. Yes. Once in a while. Once Young man's moon. fancy turns to vampires and soap operas. Oh, as you can see, I don't have my notebook today, so... So that is a no. That is a no. I had to get up at four in the morning, so there was no... So those are vampire hours. Those are vampire hours, but I did not have time last night to... Okay. Because normally then, my Wednesdays are my, my note-taken night. Very good. Then let me uh, switch to topic number two. Topic number four. There comes four. a time where a young Topic man, number four? Yes. Uh, okay. Where a young man's fancy turns to uh, bathrooms. Oh. How's your bathroom doing? Oh. Okay, forget that. <laughs> well, David. let me just say, let me just say about my bathroom. So, um, I don't want to make you sad. No, no, it's fine. It's just that it's just that it's not it's not my fault, and that's fine. I mean, part of it is my fault in the sense that I'm right now kind of um, I'm kind of like uh, stymied by not indecision but uncertainty of what my next step should be. So that, that's on me, though. That's on me. But also, I haven't had like a lot of time to, to do anything because we've been kind of busy for the last little while. Right. Last weekend, like, for instance, on Sunday, speaking of, of Nina and Bob, we went up to Whistler together. So we took a drive up to Whistler. Oh. Um, this is to give Bob a bit of a sightseeing I, tour. I didn't know you did this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Lisa suggested it. Tell me it. more. <laughs> Lisa suggested it. Did you meet it. some Germans? Did we? Did we? No, but we met Australians. I was going to go either yeah. Germans or Australians. Yeah, we met some Australians there because that's those are the, those are very numerous up there. Any any kind of ski hill. So yeah, we left home about seven, I think, and then we picked up Bob and Nina around around eight, I think. Is what time we said we're going to be there? I told them I'd be there at seven fifty nine, but we were we were much earlier than that because <laughs> I was feeling a little. I was feeling the pressure. Because we were going to a movie that night, so I was kind of worried about our timeline. It turned out I had no worries at all. It was so we we drove up the uh, the Sea to Sky Highway, as it's called, from because it goes from the sea, goes from the, yeah. our our coastal waters all the way to the sky, it goes to the mountains. And so it was kind of fun. That was a nice drive. We stopped at Shannon Falls. 
which is the second highest fall in uh, BC, I believe. It's not the first, but it's somewhere in, in right. the third or second. And that was kind of fun. We just walked up there and the took a look at it. The highest falls in BC is wherever Seth Rogen is that day. Boing, 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 boing. <laughs> Where's that bear sound again? Oh, I Phil, thought you were doing Seth Rogen Phil, laughing. Phil loves it. That's right. That's Seth Rogen. <laughs> <laughs> He's really been. Oh my! Shoot, I enjoyed that so much. I gave myself a leg cramp. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. It's just I. I was uh, been the last three days. I've been loading a big giant container <laughs> full of doors. So it's also weird to me when it's like. Uh, Sherry, Sherry Lewis, and it's like all these characters, and like one's named Charlie Horse, and it's just like, and then it's Charlie Horse and his friend Groin Pole. <laughs> Good old leg cramp. So yeah, so we went up the Sea to Sky Highway, stopped at Shannon Falls, we drove through Squamish, the town of Squamish, which is a bustling town, by the way. It's growing quite a bit from the last time I saw it, which is about I don't know when's the last time I saw it. Probably went through there the last time when Eve went through went to camp. I don't think I've been to Whistler in, in, in that time. Uh, the girls went to like a, a week, like a school camp, like a week-long camp there at a place called uh, Evans Lake. You know, they have cabins. Yeah. And, and I went there as like a dad, like a chaperone or whatever for the for the week. Got, got my cabin full of kids. Of course, I'm a guy. Yeah. I have daughters. Yeah. So I can't look after the, the, the girls, so I have to be a, a dad to the boys for the, oh, for the time that's here. I like boys. I, I like boys. I like I like okay. I like girls. I think they're they're all great. So I don't, I, you know, I wasn't like ugh. But which is better? Oh, girls. Oh yeah. There you go. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I just I only say that I never I never sweated like I never sweated whether I was gonna have a boy or a girl when the girls were on their way. In fact, I insisted in both cases that we not know what we were getting. I think Lisa was not so pleased with that idea, but I I liked it until they were twenty. Now I know they're girls. Um. So yeah. So we then we. Carried on up through there. Uh, it was quite nice. It was a nice drive, and then it was cloudy in the morning. But as we as we wound our way up, the sun started to kind of come through. Then we went up to Whistler. We walked around the village there. Saw some villagey things. Uh, the first well, I went to Whistler for the first time, first and only time. No, not the first and only time, but the first time I went because I was covering the Socred leadership. Conf- conference or convention there, I should say convention. This is this is at a Whistler. Ago. This is a long time ago. That's the first time I went there, in 1986. I was going to go. That had to be like mid 80s, yeah. And that's just when they had built the first hotel there, and had started to start like make the kind of new Whistler. Because mm-hmm. up to that point, it had been kind of like this, you know, kind of crummy, play, a shanty town for a bunch of like ski bums and people that yeah. you know outdoorsy types. And then a bunch of you know business jerks want to st- decided to step in, <laughs> and they built a hotel and they built this kind of beginnings of like this Whistler yeah. Village, the, in quotation marks, these kind of like chateau style, like as if it's a ski lodge, only it sells garbage. But yeah, so they have, and it's, that was like the first of the of that, and that's why the convention was there as well because all these business types who of course supported the party of business sure. types, the Socreds, they um, they wanted to have this thing there to kind of show off this new you know the new whistler this mm-hmm. is a place you can come and shop and and you can go stay at a fancy hotel and go to very what's going to become a very expensive ski hill yeah before you know it everyone so expensive yeah that's not a place i went to i was a local mountain boy only because i could not really i couldn't afford it anyway i got given a, a ski pass every year when i was growing up that was my way of going to the hills but 
so we, yeah. So when I went there at that time, I was just like just starting with that. So it was it was interesting to come back again. You know, we've gone since then. We went and think. Oh no, it was grade nine actually. That that's no, that's the last time we were at Whistler because Mary had a a, a Quebecois girl come and stay with us mm. for three months. She lived with us, and we we went there one for, for a visit one day, and we took the peak to peak gondola ride. We did not do that with Nina and Bob, but we did have a nice meal there. Walked around, got lost quite a few times because it's a bit of a maze the way it's designed. And then, yeah, we're there for a while. And then we drove back down and we, uh, Lisa wanted to go to this little park that we've, she's wanted to go to a few times called White Cliff Park, which is in uh, Horseshoe Bay. So we turned off there and now Horseshoe Bay, we didn't go in directly into Horseshoe Bay because it'll just break your heart if you've known it for a, a number of years. Because mm. they just built like a, a tower, like a condo tower there. Forever it was like, it was kind of had like the remnants of being like a, a cabin or a place where people had their cottages or whatever you want to call it. You know, so it was like a summer getaway place for many, many years. Yeah. And then recently people realized, oh, my God, it's like 15 minutes to get to Vancouver from here. Like, why don't why, why aren't we living here? So then everyone just went blank. And so now it's like <laughs> it's turned into this big development. And so they. Yeah. Blanc. yeah blanc. And now. Uh, so the. um so we went, but we kind of skirted that so we didn't have to like break our hearts. Because that's where we used to drive. That's where we used to take Mary when she was working at Furcom. We'd have to drive her into Horseshoe Bay and drop her off so she could catch the water taxi. Not water taxi. The, I guess it was a water taxi. Anyway, it doesn't matter. She'd catch the boat to get to the get to the camp. And so we, we kind of start visiting a place. She'd be like, oh, this is so cute. What a nice place. I love all these little cabins and stuff. Like get there, get, People live there now all year round but they were once like these little cabins and it's kind of cute and oh they decided to tear it all down and build a condo tower thanks guys but anyway so we went to this park called white cliff park and we got there just in time or right at the right time because apparently there's an islet as i learned it's called i I, i've been calling it an islet my whole life but apparently Mm. nina corrected me or pronounce it properly. She is she is good at correcting people on how they pronounce things i well she pronounced it properly first and i was like oh I would have said islet, but anyway, so it is a, it's a, but it's an island. Can, so it's when the tide is low, you can access the island. When it's high, you have to, we'd have to swim out there. Right. So there's like, but it's, it's um, not like one of our normal beaches, which are normally very sandy places. It's a very rocky British sort of beach. Oh, I was going to go. That's a very British beach. Yeah. 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 And so it had like all, so it was a bit of an uncomfortable walk to get to it because you had to kind of step along big giant boulders and then or, or logs and things. And then when you get there, then you can walk up this sheer rock. It's just basically a big rock. And it was fun though. Uh, there was a picture of me sitting happily on the rock on Facebook if people want to look at it. And then. Yes, that is a nice picture. Oh, thank you. It looks like you're about to come up with the commercial for Coca Cola. <laughs> I like to teach the world to sing. That's, I was singing that. Thank you for noticing. And so that was fun. And then we went to, into North Van because uh, Nina and Bob wanted to go to some, do a little bit of a, a brewery tour. Sure. And so we went to a place where they sell beer. And of course, I got some root beer because I'm classy. They got some flights of beer and they were. Yeah. How was your root beer? It was fine. It was like some local company. Yeah, sometimes it's nice when you go to one of those places. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like a craft root beer. Yeah. And but I got to tell you this about. I don't want to hope Nina you know, won't mind. I'm talking out of out of turn here. Or won't get mad at me. But they drink. But her the... pin number is like six eight two one, right? Isn't that weird? <laughs> it's... it's so random. Wouldn't that be hilarious if you actually said <laughs> just by... <laughs> accidentally? <laughs> no, they 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 have like they mark down. They 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 give grades to the beer they drink. Mm. So they're like. Oh, okay, this is a three out of five. Drink that one. This is a whatever. 
I thought that was interesting. I just I can the beers take the test over again. It's <laughs> cool. They, you know, you fail. No, they uh, beers smoking out front. Like, what can we do? Can't we, stop. Them. We can't stop them. They're, <laughs> they're beers. They, they're they're at drinking age. They're beers. Yeah. As soon as you're a beer, you're at drinking age because people drink you. Right? Get it? <laughs> um, so then, Seth Rogen. <laughs> a So then, yeah. So then we um, took them back to their to Nina's place and dropped them off. So it was very. It was a lot of fun. And then that night, so we stayed in town because we then went over and we picked up a former friend of the show, David M. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we uh, went and saw that movie that's written by Ron and. Russell Mayle, uh, Sparks of uh, Sparks, they wrote a musical that was directed by a French director named Leos Carax. And uh, boy, it was good. Yeah? Oh, so good. Oh, really good. Yeah. Oh, I, gotta, I highly recommend it if, if you have an opportunity to see it, that you see it. It is a musical. It is a musical. Like There's uh, mostly right. music in it. Cool. Most, it's most like a lot of songs, but it starts, like off, a musical. it starts off so charmingly with a song like this. It's basically like, let's start. Like, it's just everyone, like, it starts off with the the run Russell mail, like they're playing with their band, singing the song. And then they, they, they march out of the studio and then they're joined by the cast and, and they march along through the streets and announce that the movie's starting now and stuff. It's really great. Oh, nice. And then they, they do a concluding song that way too. And it's, that was very charming, but the movie itself is kind of actually a very, kind of a dark film. It's very operatic in its story. Uh, very dark, very dark, but it um, also is very um, good. It's really good. And um, has a little girl singing in it near the end. And she is just so good. Like, so good. Her acting and her singing and stuff like that is just mind-blowing how good she is. And everyone does a really good job in it. Oh, that's um, I ha- really highly recommend it. Called? it. It's called Annette. Annette, okay. Is yeah, it it's a, playing it's a, anywhere in town or just a... I was just, we saw it with VIF. We saw it through the Vancouver International oh, okay. Film Festival. And it has a few shows over the next little while, like, unlike a lot of them. Right um, yeah, it's, it's, it has Adam Driver, Marion Cotillard... Or would be like the best known people in the film. Okay. And, and I think Driver was one of the producers, and he plays like a stand-up comic, and she's an opera singer, and they become they get married and and uh, have a daughter whose name is Annette. His name is I can't remember his name is, but he's one of those things where like it's one of those that's my, the one problem I had with the film when it started was I'm like he's being like a stand-up comic, but it's one of the, one of those things where you watch a movie and you're like that's not what a stand-up comic is. Yeah. I guess he's more of a monologist, which I don't really think of as stand-up comedy, but okay, whatever. What do I know? So, uh, yeah, it's just playing at uh, the Pickford right now in uh, Bellingham. Mm, yeah. mm. So. And if we could go across the border, I would go see it again. Can you not as a Yankee Doodle? No, we're not allowed into the States. Okay. Even as a Yankee Doodle? If it, oh, I don't know, but I don't think so. I think you have... I think you might be. Okay. Because you're both Canadian and... Uh, I'm just... I'm only American. Oh. I'm not a duel. Oh, so you might not be able to let back. I might not be able to come back, yeah. That so. is a possibility. All right, don't take so, the So, yeah, I'm not going not gonna to go until For it's For a movie that you've already seen. Yes, it's it's fine. It's all okay, clear. Okay, all right. But I am looking forward to being able to go back down to Bellingham, because the Pickford is actually a really beautiful theater and a nice place to watch a movie. I would like to go sometime. Yeah. Uh, we uh, Speaking of movies, we uh, gathered some chums together and watched Jaws in the backyard. That's right. That was, uh, that was my day. next night seeing uh, Nina and Bob. Yeah. And uh, Nina had not seen it before. Uh, again, not to speak out of turn. Uh, she liked half the movie, she said. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. Know, which is interesting because like, I never kind of divided the movie in half before. But 
that's not wrong. No. Like, the no. first half is definitely the Roy Scheider's uh, story. Yeah. Uh, and then the second half, I'm saying this uh, jokingly, but it's not not totally jokingly. It's almost like a love story between uh, Quentin Ho- and Hooper with uh, Roy as, like, the third <laughs> wheel who's just hanging out. I wouldn't say a love story, but I definitely would say, like, a, like a bonding, the, a male bonding In film. the same way that, yeah. uh, say, a... Lethal weapon is you know that kind of stuff. Like yeah. they're both opposites; they don't care sure. for each other. And then by the end, you know, they're best of friends, and they're yeah. like it's having a, dinner. It's a male together. bonding film, yeah. which you know is an important. They're thing not to... smooching at the end, but yeah, they are touching legs. They are showing each other all their body parts, and they're touching legs, and they're laughing and they're drinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the drinking has a bit to do with that too. Yeah, you do tend to get less. There's less uh, sense of personal space. Yeah. Amongst people who are drinking. And also, I have a theory that uh, Quint just wants to be a singer. Like, he's never not singing. He's never <laughs> and he's just like, will someone compliment his singing so he can stop fishing? His like, singing he just tends, wants to sing. But his singing tends to be pointed. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a commentary. Yeah, he wants attention. Mm. And he wants someone to go, that's a good song or something. Well, he definitely wants attention. That's why he rubs his hand, but drags his yeah. nails down the chalkboard in the... In the town hall, wherever they have the meeting. It's, it's great that, like, in a movie with so much gore... Uh, and, you know, it's not gore. It's not super gory. But, but yeah. like, at the time, shocking. Sure, at the time. Uh, yeah. That the fingernail down the board is what makes you go, Gah! Like, that just is the take. <laughs> well, the especially now. I think if you watched it at the time, you would also go, at some of the gore. I, I was thinking, too, just, it was just this dumb little thing. I'm just picturing, like, two crabs just going to see a movie. I'm just like, what do you want to see? Let's go see Jaws. Okay, I'll, I'll see Jaws. And they go and they go see Jaws. And then they see the scene where uh, they reveal uh, the girls being eaten by the crabs. Mm, mm. And then it's just like, this is great! <laughs> the movie where the crabs eat the person! This is great! Oh, oh, I didn't expect this. This is a fantastic film! We gotta tell Larry about... The, we gotta tell everybody! This is amazing! Yeah. Oh, you think this is a turning point? I love it. I love it. I love to see it. I love to see it. It was great. Five stars. Yeah, you see, you have to look at the crab t- or the crustacean times, and it says crab bites man. Yeah, so and excited. it's in a column called Scuttlebutt. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Oh, couldn't believe it. And I was like, oh, yeah, later on, you know what? They're going to have like a crab eaten by the shark. Nope. Nope. No, no, no. It's fine. There's no revenge on Just the crab. The guy gets eaten. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, he's food too at the bottom. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Loved it. Yeah. Well, it's, a, it's an enjoyable film, but I can, you know, the problem when you show films like that to people who have grown up in the cultural osmosis of our culture is that they know a lot of the stuff they're going to see sure. in the film already. Like they've experienced all these cultural references to it. So it's, there's no surprises to that movie for them, you know. Whereas for us, seeing it growing up, we saw it before. I mean, I probably saw it after the mad satire and stuff like that because I was a little too young. Yeah. To see that movie. My parents would never have allowed me to go to see that film in 75. Yeah. Like I was only in, I would have been in grade three. So it's a bit, a bit young, a little young for that stuff. I'm looking up Jaws and Mad Magazine and seeing that. Yeah. They oh, have, yeah, for sure they did. There's <laughs> no, no way around well, it. Well, I, I remembered like a cover, but there, mm. were, there was like, uh, there was two different. Uh, oh, I see. I'm just talking about the, the also the, the, the movie parody inside, which would give away some of the story. Yeah. Oh, sorry. That is my alarm saying. Uh, my friend Dave's coming over to do a podcast in oh, a half hour. Okay. All right. There we go. <laughs> and of course, if you do yeah. uh, come over, uh, that'd be a very David Lynchy thing to happen. Uh, oh, no, yes, if I showed up. So the so what was the what was the parody called? Was it called 
Was it still a one-word title? It was a one-word title. That's right. With an apostrophe in it. Jerks? Uh, Jawed. Jawed. J-A-W apostrophe D. Okay. And what was the sequel uh, called? Jawed 2? Yeah. With (laughs) T-O-O. That's right. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. No, I just think, and I also think that films are diff, are different nowadays in that there's those like movie from the seventies will feel very slow to people because it's done at a particular pace, you know, that of the time period, you know, there was not that kind of quick cutting that we have nowadays. So movies weren't, you know, a million images after one after another. It was done at a certain pace, so everyone could, every, people could follow along at home, and that's not so much the case anymore. You know, it's that MTV generation. I blame. Oh man, there's a lot of uh, references to Jaws and The Simpsons. It's looking mm-hmm. uh, nice. Yeah, there's uh, some some you're not going to get in, but some you will. And then there's going to you know, or even Family Guy and stuff like that, where you're going to get actual parodies of parts of the film. You know, so you're going to know about them from from that as well. Mm-hmm. So when you watch the movie, you're like, oh, is that where that parody's from? <laughs> and there was a parody done in Simpsons Treehouse of Horror, an issue I I wrote a part of, but I didn't yeah. write the Jaws parody, and the parody was called uh, Nas. Okay. G N A. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, yeah. You know, no okay. one's no one's judging. Written by Brian Posehn and uh, Jerry Dugan. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Took two guys to think of that. Ooh. Oh, it's gonna be. Oh, it's like that. Oh. All right. Fair enough. I'm not gonna throw any stones because uh, I'm in that one with uh, my wife Pia. There, I'm bringing her up again. There. Just and, and there you are. Yeah, um, I think I would do a parody of a of a shark working in an office and call it Jobs. Ooh, I do it as a shark who invents a. a yeah, there a you computer. go. You just came up with it. There you go. <laughs> yeah, and the and the thing where it's like, and just one more thing, and then he just eats a lady. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so Jobs. I'm trying to think like, yeah, if there was a if, if Bill Gates is hunting him. Okay. Yeah, I got him as the Roy Scheider. So, yeah. Uh, okay. Now I'm trying to cast. No, Bill Gates is the Quint. Oh. Yeah, that has to be the best. I'll get your jobs. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's true. Okay. And then you got to cast uh, Hooper and you got to cast... Uh, what's what's Roy Scheider's character uh, called in, in there? Brody. Sure. Brody. Yeah. You got to catch get a Brody in there as well. Ah, well, we'll uh, we'll cast this all like uh, later on. But we'll just cast the actor Adam Brody as Brody. Oh, okay. You don't have to change any names or anything. It's real easy. All right, and we'll cast uh, we'll cast the guy who played Mr. Hooper. Like I know, yes, he's passed away, <laughs> well, but we'll say we're setting it in the past. Yeah, we'll send him Mr. Hooper. That'd be interesting if Mr. Hooper was doing the role of Hooper. Big Bird. That's right. He'd be more. Hey, Looper. Hooper. Hooper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like it. I like everything about it. But it was very fun, and our uh, our friend uh, Jackie Moon. Uh, with the help of uh, Sister Louise Moon, uh, who's been on the show before, uh, did a Jaws cake that was mm. uh, remarkable. And when you cut inside, it had trivia inside it, like trivial props that yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, connected with the, with the had movie. Had a Louisiana license plate. Oh, so good. And a bucket. So much work put into that thing. <laughs> so much frosting. Oh, there's so much frosting. It was good. It was a good cake, too. Oh, it was a good cake. This is the thing. Our, our friends, i got to say, bring great snacks. Mm-hmm. You always bring in a lovely platter yeah, of Lisa, uh, fruits Lisa. and yeah, marshmallows. And, and oh, it's just fantastic. It's so good. And uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're very blessed with friends who have good snacks. <laughs> so it's one of these things like, you know what? Even if the movie doesn't totally work for you, come on. And our, our friend David had brought a door with him that he needed to get rid of. And I, I took it. And threw it away at work for him. Oh, good, good. Okay. Yeah. 
That was because uh, it was it was metal clad. So I said, "Oh, I can just throw that away in our in our dirty metal bin." Nice doors and things. Because he was replacing a part of his door, and he found another door that was a matching door. Yeah. So he took the part of the door that he needed for his door, yeah. and then got rid of the door. Well, that's the thing. He needed to replace his window, which was going to cost him one hundred and fifty dollars to right. get that, or he bought a door that was with a matching window in it that cost him twenty five dollars. Ah. And so then he took the window out of it, but he had the door left over. And I said, well, I'll throw that away for you. And I, and I did. And I did. Yeah. What can I say? I'm a great guy. Yep, you are. Probably one of the best. Agreed. <laughs> okay, move, Phil, enough with the... Sorry. Should I move on to letters now? Or what do you? what's your feeling? Yeah, let's do letters. All right. Uh, so last week on the show, last week, uh, <laughs> we asked, have you been watching the Olympics? Remember the Olympics, Dave? Holy oh, cow. Man. Oh, man. The gold. They the ended silver. with a big, the, the women won soccer. I don't know if we they were did. talking about that last time. That was very, that was a big thing for me. I mean, if you follow, you know, sports slightly like I do, right. you know, the stories and I like, that's what the part I like the most are the stories. And that's a big story because Canada has been. Uh, forever like the bronze medal winner because they can never beat the Americans. They finally beat the Americans and sent the Americans to fight for the bronze, and they got to uh, they got to play for the silver, play for silver or gold. Probably in those sort of things, silver most disappointing medal to win hmm. because bronze is the winner of the bronze medal game, but silver is the loser ah, of the gold medal game. Interesting. So, but Canada won gold. On a penalty kick scored by a local uh, girl from Coquitlam here. So, pretty great. Let's go out and meet her now. Come on. <laughs> let's, go, let's go drive over and say hi. So, yeah, we asked, have you been watching the Olympics? What's your favorite event? Uh, what sort of apples are popular in your region? That, that's the kind of show we got. It's like... Uh, <laughs> the, ask the hard-hitting questions. Yeah, how do you like them apples show? And uh, what do you do with your apples? Uh, pies? Turnovers? We want to know, says Dave. Yeah. Okay, so the hard-hitting question. You can tell I ran out of, of other options after that. Yeah, pies. Pies, tarts. turnovers? Uh, <laughs> uh, dried apple dolls, making fun of the elderly. Um, Dave uh, also uh, sung the praises of Bananagrams. Um, yeah, on, such a good, on, on last fun week's show. It's a fun game. Which uh, makes what Gord uh, says make a little bit more sense. Mm. So I'm now going to Gord's letter. Thank you for writing us, Gord. Bananagrams is a fun game, and it's something I found to be very playable over a video conference during the pandemic. Mm. Uh, and then we uh, includes a little video uh, clip. Uh, I have done uh, this uh, with friends and family as well as colleagues. My office is all working remotely these days. <laughs> as a bonus, there are big letter versions of the game, which use larger tiles, with larger printed letters much easier for my elderly mother to see and to handle. That's nice. Cool. Uh, the other thing you could do is shrink your mother. <laughs> yeah, there sure. you go. That is, a, that is the better option. Yeah. Because sure. older people are shrinking anyway. Yeah, they It are. doesn't take much to goose that along. <laughs> no, you're right. Um, you're just, just doing what nature is already doing. Exactly. It's as nature intended. Yeah. It's. Uh, have you ever seen the TV show Dr. Shrinker? They kind of show you how to do it. Sure. Dr. Shrinker, Dr. Dr. Shrinker, he's a madman with an evil mind. Um, we have a good... Ch- <laughs> that just tells you, by the way, how old we are. <laughs> that exactly carbon dates us. Uh, we have a good chuckle at the end uh, as we share any interesting words we've made. Long words, uncommon words. That's not a word, words. It's hmm. good exercise for the brain. It is. Uh, as it, you is. Can tell, it is fun to go through the words. We people. need that exercise, so good call. <laughs> uh, Louise writes... I watched some of the Olympics, uh, but only uh, whenever random sports happened. 
uh, but only whatever random sport they happen to be covering when we turned on the TV. Me too. I enjoyed acrobatic events like diving, trampoline, and gymnastics. The new skateboarding and sports climbing events were fun too. Agreed. But it was sad to see the empty uh, seating areas knowing all the effort and expense that went into building the venues. By coincidence today, a video ad for Back to the Future, the musical, which we kind of talked a little bit about, Back to the Future, came up on my sister's YouTube feed. The show opened out of town in Manchester in 2020, a few weeks before the pandemic shut it down. But it's reopening in London's West End next week. The slogan, book your tickets yesterday. Not bad. It appears that no one has uh, succeeded in canceling the musical for making light of the very serious issue of parents becoming unknowingly infatuated with their time-traveling offspring. <laughs> yes. Indeed. And again, as many, as, as many people have mentioned, you know, uh, they clearly, you know, knew Marty back then. And, you know, she had a little, you know, for him. And then all of a sudden later on, uh, she has a kid that looks just like that kid. That's a very trusting dad. It was like, hmm, yeah, my, my kid that looks just like the guy who but I know she had a crush on. It took him a while to grow into that, let's be fair. It didn't come out looking like Marty McFly. Mm-hmm. But by this point, huh, Yeah. interesting. Um, well, I couldn't remember how anyone looked from that, from my high school day. I guess when I could, when the girls were born. Anyway, go on. Yeah. Edward Dragansky writes, I just visited, uh, responding to Louise. I just visited the Back to the Future musical website, watching the promo video. I started guessing who was hiding behind that newspaper, handing out uh, keys to the Marty and Dr. Brown actors. Uh, Being a musical, my first guess would be Huey Lewis, only to learn it was Christopher Lloyd. (laughs) Great Scott! Uh, I've got to wonder how the hell this thing works as a musical. Is there a DeLorean on stage? There's hardly enough room for it to go 88 miles per hour. Hey, uh, that Miss Saigon musical had a plane. Like a full a helicopter. Heli- oh, was it a helicopter? Yeah, helicopter? Sorry, helicopter. There was a different musical that had a plane. That uh, my my grandparents went yeah. uh, to the Vegas. the musical alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandparents went to Vegas and they saw a couple of musicals and they saw one with a helicopter and one with a plane. And I was like, and, and that was their whole thing. It was like they didn't care for the musicals, but like they got a whole plane on stage. That was the big thing. You know, you know the musical alive. How do you eat a problem like Mario? How do you eat the hell the soccer players too? Anyway. And how do you make them stay <laughs> down for all the day? <laughs> Again, as I always tell, I'm going to tell the story as fast as humanly possible. I knew a person who uh, was dating a person who was in the show Alive. Not show, but movie, movie? Alive. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole idea is, yeah, they crash and uh, they starve and then they have to eat some of the people. Yeah. That's the way it goes. Mm. So... Uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, the way it worked for the person, uh, they were going to do a thing where uh, they, uh, they 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 were hungry first. And uh, they, they, anyway, long story short, he did it in reverse. Anyway, he's he uh, he, he gets fat as a as a thing. He starts very skinny when he crashes, and then he gets fat as he's working on the movie and he's eating craft services and he's supposed to be starving, but he starts eating a lot of craft services. So he's the one guy who gets chubbier and chubbier where everyone's going, we're starving. What do we do? It's clear. This guy is eating people. (laughs) Secretly. And so he had a bunch of lines, like a bunch of lines, but because it's obvious, this guy is getting bigger. Yeah. Uh, They cut basically all of his lines. So he becomes kind of an extra and just is hanging out in the background. But next time you watch a live, Watch for the guy who's getting bigger, uh, eating craft services food through the time where everyone else is starving. Edward Dragansky writes again, I'm unable to watch any Olympic coverage since I no longer have network television. 
if I see or hear anything about the Olympics, it's usually online. Uh, you were discussing the horse competition in Tokyo, and my wife mentioned something about having to remove a sumo wrestler statue, yes, that was scaring the horses. It was. Did you hear anything about that? It did. Uh, imagine <laughs> traveling all that way uh, just to get spooked by a statue on the other side of the world of a giant wrestler. Yeah, the horses were spooked by a sumo wrestler statue that was... It wasn't the, it wasn't the rest of the statue. It was, was this his ass? It was the way the light was co- coming off of it. Okay. Like, they shouldn't... They shouldn't be too scared of it. I mean, if they've gone through the um, horses have like incredible an incredible eidetic memory, like they they have a photographic memory. Oh. that's where they'll spook at things because there'll be things in places where they don't expect them to be. Oh, okay. Like if you leave a bucket in the aisle, they'll react to that because that bucket shouldn't be there in their memory of this of this place. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. So once they've if they've gone through the course they shouldn't be too freaked out i mean they can get freaked out by like distances and things like they they can't see you know the distance properly when they're going to a jump that's what mostly will throw them off as the jumps trick them but i think in that case there was like a light that was glistening off of the the shiny statues so it's possible they could have like just matted like sprayed something on them so they didn't they weren't shiny but so you're saying the horses weren't racist no nothing to do with sumo wrestlers they're okay with sumo wrestlers i think uh, Texas is a bit off the radar when it comes to a large number of the more flavorful apples. Oh, we're onto apples. Good. The red apples are successfully grown here uh, from July through November. But what, no- what are the red apples? I can't. I, oh. I, I can't speak to him through his letter, Dave. Okay. Are you asking him now directly? Yes, I am. What are your apples? What? <laughs> How about those apples? Okay. We're also known for pecans, melons, red ruby, uh, ruby red grapefruit, and tomatoes. Uh, when it comes to the best Texas fruit. You can find good apples in the local produce store. Sprouts, uh, we don't have the year-round variety uh, you guys have north of us. Our family does enjoy apples, uh, and and as a diabetic, they're a great alternative to most other fruits that have a high percentage of glucose. I personally enjoy the yellow golden delicious apples, or gala variety, when we can find them usually in the fall. Uh, my grandmother, Dragansky, who lived outside of Chicago, had a secret about apples she used in her baking and cooking. During one of my visits, my grandmother asked me never to tell anyone her secret as long as she was alive. Hmm. My grandmother was deaf, so she walked everywhere in my hometown of Palatine. Uh, There was a bank nearby with apple trees on the property. So when there was a real uh, windy night, my grandmother would go to bed early and wake up before dawn, taking her cart, very much Dave-like now, uh, taking her cart. She'd rush towards the bank and uh, find all the apples on the ground that had blown off the trees by the wind. Windfall apples. After filling her cart with... Is that what windfall means? Yeah. Huh. After filling her cart with as many apples as she could find, (laughs) my grandmother returned home before sunrise to spend the day baking. My grandmother named these snow apples, and her and in her opinion, were the best apples for making applesauce and apple slices. Hmm. And they were free. I think she was worried she'd get caught or something, and at the time I wrote it off as an embellished tale, the kind your grandparents might make up out of half-truths. When my grandmother died, I told the story at her funeral, and I found it afterwards. It was indeed our secret, because no one else knew about this maneuver of hers. Afterwards, one of my cousins from the other side of the family approached me. He was a firefighter, and his station was near the bank with the apple trees. He told me on several occasions, when there was an early shift, uh, he could remember seeing an elderly woman in the dark rushing through the neighborhood streets with a cart full of apples. 
only to realize after my story it was my grandmother he had seen. I demystified this for my cousin as well uh, to share my grandmother's story, one we still tell with great memories of her. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. You have no idea what I would give to have some of her apple slices right now. They've been lost in time. I wonder Uh, what kind of apple that was. Yeah. I know that my mother-in-law made applesauce from transparent apples, which you don't really see very much. What are those? They're just like a, a kind of a maybe a late summer apple. Just like an apple that's very open about its it, sexuality. It's very, it's very, it's very, very honest, open apple. No, they're they are. Very, I never really loved my father. They're it's fairly crisp, apple. a little sour. And I think what you want a little bit of sourness for for because you're adding so much sugar to when you're canning stuff that uh, yeah they're, they're very good for that. I wonder what kind she was grabbing. You left out a few uh, Marvel Hall of Shame films when you were discussing <laughs> The Punisher with Thomas Jane. Please don't forget David Hasselhoff as Nick Fury. Okay, let me say this about that. Uh, a fella I know, Gary Chalk, uh, was Dum Dum Dugan in that. Mm. Yeah. I don't uh, know that movie that he's discussing. Oh, okay. It was a, it was a, a basically S.H.I.E.L.D. story with, uh, with David Hasselhoff as Nick, Nick Fury. Okay. Yeah. It's uh, cheesy as heck. Lots and lots of leather. So much leather. Uh, before the X-Men all wore leather, yeah. this was the leatherest thing you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. So I assume it was shot, shot here in town since Gary was in it. Gary was also the second voice of He-Man. Yeah. What? Did trivia. He-Man have two voices? He, uh, there was the original TV series, then when uh, they remade the series, okay. Gary was the voice of He-Man. Oh, cool. He was also killed in the fly, too, by an elevator. He was also in uh, Stargate. He was also in a, a Farrah Fawcett movie where he was your husband. Um, or wow. how about Nicolas Cage and not one but two Ghost Rider movies? Okay, here's the thing about that. Yep. Uh, second Ghost Rider movie was written by the guy who hired me to work on the Simpsons comics. Oh. Yeah. Huh. And now is uh, the main producer on Walking Dead, Scott M. Kimball. Uh, this was obviously... F- and by the way, the uh, I don't mind those Ghost Rider movies. I know what you're saying, but uh, there's something to them. Uh, this was obviously before the dawn of the Infinity Saga, when Marvel was having some cinematic growing pains. I'll admit, I've never seen Jane's Punisher, but he's been to several Dallas Comic-Cons, uh, usually sitting with illustrator Tim Bradstreet, who is famous for his Punisher comics. If there was ever a mob revenge comic movie that I enjoyed, uh, I'd go with Sam Raimi's Darkman. I did enjoy Darkman as good well. Movie. Let me say, there, Thomas Jane also did a... Um, sequel to the punisher i don't know did a short film that was kind of a revenge film and uh and the end you're like oh he's the punisher you weren't sure yeah but he's the punisher you can look that up on youtube it's uh it's uh, pretty good um there were also the blade films which i remember getting better uh with the sequel and uh, well yeah okay yes blade yes and no that's okay blade 2 whoa hey that's all right i wonder what blade 3 is going to be like but with uh, a pretty good cast but then uh uh wesley snipes started fighting with the director and so he's not in a lot of the movie uh is that is that right yeah so they really started pushing up ryan reynolds uh, jessica beale's in there Mm. are you asking like who the director is yeah who is the director oh i don't know who the director is was it david Ayer? was that one feel free to look it up i'll look it up while you're talking yep uh, and the red brown Captain America. Who can forget those rubber ears? And the Italian Red Skull. <laughs> I look forward to your review of Suicide Squad. You mean the Suicide Squad? Oh, do you mean Suicide Squad like the original? Now nah, maybe. We reviewed it on our podcast earlier this week, and I think the other two guys liked it much more than I did. 
and I'm a huge fan of the DC films, but I did enjoy it on HBO Max. Uh, I really like the uh, new version. The uh, uh, previous one was, oh, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, the first Suicide Squad was a cause suicides. I think the second one was uh, quite good. I quite enjoyed it. Yep, I thought it had a good heart to it. Um, Sorry, it was David S. Goyer who directed Blade 3. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, you discussed the Marvel stinker films. Uh, so for a question, what is your favorite Marvel film? Or even better, what is your favorite Marvel duo? Oh, like it's in, oh, I see what you're saying. Who has the best on-screen chemistry? This one uh, includes not only the Disney-owned Marvel films, but all the Marvel films like the Fox and Sony releases. Uh, Favorite Marvel duo. I'm going to say, you know who I like? I'll tell you who I like sometimes. I like me, a Wolverine and a Cyclops, because those guys, they don't like each other. But they got a little tension there. It's fun. It's fun seeing those two together. Unfortunately, almost every X-Men movie just goes, Cyclops, get out of here. And they lose them. But I do like them together. Uh, favorite Marvel movie? Probably Spider-Man 2, the Sam Raimi one. Um, uh, I thought that was really, really well done. Though I do like a lot of the mar- modern ones as well. So that's my that's my answer. But I'm happy to, to go, what's your favorite uh, Marvel film? and or duo as a as a question of the week absolutely fine with that because that takes a lot of heat off me <laughs> yeah because you just answered the question so you don't have to think about that's it. me that's my thing yeah. yeah i answered my own question <laughs> that, that do you have a, a different question or anything for question of the week oh, are we done letters yeah uh, unless there's a Ref- unless... do a refresh please oh what just happened in the time that i've been here <laughs> all right Hitting the refresh, seeing what happened. Chris Roberts wrote in the last second. (laughs) Family loyalty. Hi, Chris. Family loyalty compels me to state that the outstanding event of the 2021 Olympics, beyond all doubt, was the women's (laughs) 1500 meters. That is because... Who could forget it? Laura Muir, who ran the race of her life in Tokyo to win the silver for Great Britain, Mm. is my wife's second cousin. Wow. Cool. Uh, while that was great, uh, what I like uh, even more was the respect she showed uh, to Faith uh, Kipigon. I'm sorry, I'm going to get these names wrong. The Kenyan runner who took the gold medal. In a fine display of true Olympic spirit, uh, uh, Laura described Faith as the greatest 1,500-meter uh, 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 runner of all time. And she said she was proud to be behind her. Very, very sweet. Uh, overall, though, the way sports at that level gets wrapped up in nationalism really bugs me. I don't know what it's like in other countries, but the UK media coverage focuses relentlessly on the performance of our team, to the extent that the actual winners from other countries sometimes get dropped from the narrative altogether. For instance, when Great Britain's uh, uh, Brioni Page, run, you feel free to correct me as I screw these up, won bronze in the women's trampoline, the BB said she'd been beaten by two Chinese athletes. <laughs> For the record, their names were Zhu Young, gold, and Lu Lingling, silver. I'm sure Ian will do a better job at pronouncing them than I would. Wrong you are! <laughs> I get a bronze at best for that. So, hooray for sport, or sports, but boo to xenophobia. Brayburn, Cox, and Gala Apples are the main ones we get around here. Nice. And Granny Smith for cooking. Mm -hmm. Diane loves red apples, raw, and will scoff a couple a day, no problem. I prefer them in juice or a Waldorf salad. And the green ones go well, and this may sound weird, but it's good. Blended in a soup with cashews. That sounds pretty good. This being Scotland, of course, we also deep fry them in slices and serve them with syrup as a pudding. 
See also bananas. Mm-mm. Sounds good. Yeah. That sounds good. All right. Well, I have a letter. I have a letter to read. A crisp letter. A crisp letter like a crisp apple. Mm-hmm. And if I can get my phone to open, it will tell me that it was Brent Tannehill who wrote to us. Excellent. Via Let's email. see what Brent has to say on this. Brent fine day. says we have three large apple trees on our property, so we get a lot of apples. I believe it. Yeah, that makes sense. Apple tree and apples, yes. I have an apple peeler, corer, and a dehydrator. So every day during the harvest season, I peel and slice up a bunch of apples to dry. Sometimes I flavor them with spices before drying. Pumpkin pie spice, chili powder and lime juice, Chinese five spice, or vanilla and sugar. Guess which one I like the best out of that description. You're right. Then I bag them up in Ziploc bags and mail them to friends and family for Christmas presents. Sounds very good, Brent. But Brent, you did not tell us what kind of trees they are. But here's the thing. You may have moved onto that property with the trees extant, in which case you do not know what trees they are. Because sometimes that happens. Like I say, we knew they were transparent apples, at least as mom and dad's. But we did. there was another tree that was a kind of a fall apple tree. And I have no idea what those apples were. They were also very good, but I don't know what they were. Mm. Um, Yeah. Because there are lots of apples, of course, that nowadays... For for a different reason, sometimes they're like too way too big an apple to make people want to like have them in in a store. Like say Northern Spies are very large, very large apples. They, they've kind of disappeared from our from our world of apples, oh, okay. just because we you know like the we kind of concentrate on the big three, you know, like Macintosh, uh, Delicious, and then say Granny Smith, and then sometimes we'll throw in like the like a couple curveballs like a Gala, an Ambrosia, maybe. Pink Lady or Crips, which is my personal favorite. And then we'll have, and I actually think delicious, like delicious apples, I think are just garbage. Golden Delicious. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of Macintosh. With the name. Not a fan of Macintosh either. I like, I like apples that are either a little bit sour and crisp, like a Pink Lady, or just like a crisp, sweet apple, like Ambrosia. Okay. But um, yeah. We also have one here that was created out by, by people, you know, doing, uh, not genetic modification, but you know what I mean. They selected apples over time to create a new one, which is called the Cosmic Crisp Apple. But the biggest problem with apples in most cases is they're too soft for transport. So they tend to get mashed up before they get to the the to the green grocer, get to the fruit stands or whatever. So those apples have kind of disappeared from our world because like translucent, or sorry, transparent apples, translucent apples, the sister apple of the transparent. Transparent apples are way too soft. Like they would just get munched to pieces before they ever mm. were on were for sale in the bins. So, you know, they, they're just not popular. We, you know, but they are the very, like, in my opinion, I agree, they are the very best apples for applesauce. Like I thought I had applesauce when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Like we would, my mom would just buy tinned applesauce, and that was great. I loved it with like sure. pork chops, some applesauce. Mwah. And then I ate Lisa's mom's homemade applesauce, and I was like, "Oh, this is really good. This is really good stuff." Num num num. And then I went home, and of course, my mom was like serving her tinned applesauce one night, and I tasted it. I was just like, suddenly, it's kind of I guess like when you talk about eating pineapple from Hawaii and then having yeah. it here. I was like, "This is so bland." Like before, it just seemed great. Yeah. Because it was like you a, don't know. it was a sweet treat when I was a kid, right? Yeah. But then having had like these homemade applesauce that Lisa's mom made, oh, it spoiled me. It spoiled me forever. I can't have like the. I don't even know who makes sunripe. You ever had, su- you ever had sushi? Yeah, I got it from the from the gas station once. I don't like it. Okay, well, nothing I can say. <laughs> well, we our best sushi shop in 
in uh, Aldergrove is at the yeah, gas station. Yeah, that's, that's not unrealistic. That's, that's... <laughs> I mean, they just rent, they rent part of the building and have a restaurant in there, but yeah. The best per- prime rib I ever had was at a gas station in uh, Germany. <laughs> interesting. Holy cow, it's so good. That's interesting. Yeah, you didn't know the, like, just go into this room. What is it? Holy shit. There's this giant buffet that was just amazing in the back of the gas station. I was like, what? what's happening? What's happening? And the potatoes were amazing. Oh, it's just so great. Huh. Yeah, back on the Audubon. <laughs> Drive it off. <laughs> Drive it off. That's right. Yeah, that's how it works. All right. So, what are our questions? Uh, question. Well, the question that we got was, uh, "What's your favorite Marvel movie?" I feel, I feel a little bad just being for Marvel now. No, no, it wasn't. Was it Marvel Duo? Wasn't it? Yeah, Marvel. Okay, let's go with that. Let's go. With your favorite Marvel Duo? Yeah, we'll yeah. specify. What's your favorite Marvel Duo? Yeah, there you go. Is so that's one of the things. Ant Man and Wasp. Is right. it Incredible Hulk and the Black Widow? Is it yeah, Doctor Strange and Chang. Let me ask. Let me ask this. What is or is it Wong? Uh, Doctor Strange and Wong. Wong Sorry, I, right. I said Chang. I meant Both Wong. the uh, actor and the character. That's right, Benedict Chang. Yeah, and how many Benedicts? Two, two Benedicts. In and one movie. Thing. Amazing. How about uh, how about this? What is uh, something comedy? Yep. That aged great, and something that did not. Some comedy that aged well. Okay. And some that did not. Ah, so if you have some ideas about that, yep. let us know. Yep. Uh, here's how you do it. Go to our uh, page, which is sneakydragon.com. Mm-hmm. Hey, so much stuff's on there. Look, uh, I can't even tell you. Uh, all our past episodes of uh, Sneaky Dragon, uh, Sneaky Dragon Listening Party, every episode, boom. It's completed. It's in the can. Listen to them all. Boom. You want to hear us talk about the Marx Brothers, you know, talk about comedy, we, we talk about every Marx Brothers movie. We do. And full Marx. We even call them out for some of the stuff they do there. And then, you know, some t- stuff in the past also, you know, again, some doesn't age well and some's controversial. We talk about that in Totally Tintin, our, uh, <laughs> our series on, uh, That's on Tintin. True. That's true. Hey, you know what people really like? They enjoy the Beatles. Even nowadays, so many years later. Yeah. Maybe you're going like, should I watch that Paul McCartney thing on the TV? Nah, don't watch that. What you want to do... Is you want to go and you want to go listen to completely Beatles, yeah, which is uh, us going through every Beatles uh, album. Yeah. We have no, we have no bias, unlike that Paul McCartney thing. Well, Dave's bias is everything's great. Spoilers, <laughs> he says that in the final episode. Everything is great, even the stuff that's not great is great. So that's I, Dave's bias. Did I say that? Yeah, <laughs> I'm right. That was where I. That's where I almost lost it. And it was just like, what? So you're saying everything is great? Yeah, it's all great. Every every one of them, even the things you didn't like. Yeah, it's all really really great. <laughs> Like, oh, why are we even doing this then? Um, listen, listen to me. Listen to me. Almost lose it at the very end. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. I just meant that it's all a joy to me. It's all a joy. That's right. We also talk about movies on fan explainers, and uh, you know, there you go. We got uh, that stuff. So check that out if you want. But hey, if you want to answer our questions, as I say, while you're at sneakydragon.com, uh, every one of our episodes has a little space underneath it for. Your comments, and uh, that is where I read most of the letters from. Yeah. But, but if, if you, you have want... a lot of comments, there's a lot of space there. There's so much space. You can't believe it. Also, we're uh, there's space for parking too. If you need to parking, <laughs> just leave your car there for yeah. a couple of days. We don't we don't care. Uh, if you're an emailer type, uh, then sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. Mm-hmm. Sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. If you're a real weirdo Uh-oh. and you're like, I want to leave something on Tumblr. Yeah, I'm like, what? Do we even have a Tumblr? We do. Sneakydragon.tumblr.com. You're right. And then you're like, I'm a little bit of a weirdo, but not a real weirdo. And I don't like to talk a lot. Well, let me tell you something. Uh, sneaky underscore dragon on uh, Twitter might be for you. There you go. Um, 
And you're asking now, how can we support you guys? We, uh, besides emotionally and sending you our letters, well, the letters are great. When you send us candy, that's also really good. <laughs> uh, I don't think you can send us apples over the border. Otherwise, I'd say send, send us apples. Mm-hmm. But we do have a Patreon. And uh, so if you go to uh, patreon.com uh, uh, slash Sneaky Dragon, is that how it goes? Is that how that works? I think so. Uh, anyway. There's a button on and our If our you main go to patreon.com and search for Sneaky Dragon, pop up we will. There you go. And if you feel like it. I uh, give us like a couple of bucks a month, and uh, we'll keep doing this. We'll probably keep doing it anyway. But you know, we're we're not uh, opposed to money. Another thing you could do is uh, buy some of the work that we're doing, and I'll tell you what that is. Mm. Uh, Dave and I work on a book called series called Sparks. Uh, there's been two so far. There's another coming up. <gasps> Uh, Sparks number one is called Sparks. Sparks number two is called Sparks Double Dog Dare. Sparks number three is called Sparks Future Perfect and comes out in early March. You can get those wherever books are sold and it's a good time to get your pre-orders in for the third Sparks book. Uh, I do a comic strip every day with my wife called Mannequin on the Moon at Mm -hmm. gocomics.com. So if you feel like checking that out and going like, that's always uh, helpful to us. And is there anything else that you wanted to plug, Dave? Me? There we go. Dave says no. <laughs> Dave says uh, nope. So that is yeah. fair and fair. That's interesting. I have nothing to plug anymore. Nope. Oh, you will. You will again soon. Yeah. Again, this has been The Morning Show. <laughs> it's weird looking out the window and it not being dark. Yeah. Uh, I'm now going to show Dave how uh, VR works. He's done a little bit of it before, but I want to show him this one game that I like. Okay. Uh, so we're going to do that. Maybe we'll talk about that next week. Thanks so much for your kind attention. I've been Ian. I've been David. Stay healthy, uh, and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye, everyone. Scale it out, a doop a dig a dig. It's your closing theme now. <laughs>